0: Welcome to The Rich Roll Podcast, episode 101, with Brendan Brazier. The Rich Roll Podcast. Hey, people. Hey, everybody. My name is Rich Roll. I'm your host. This is a podcast. Welcome to my version of audio entertainment to the RRB what do we do here? What is the RRP? How does it all go down? Well, on a weekly basis, I sit down and perform sort of a Vulcan mind meld with some of the most interesting forward-thinking paradigm exploding minds I can find. Some you've likely heard of, others maybe you haven't. Nevertheless, thinkers and doers in fitness, athleticism, creativity, diet, nutrition, art, entrepreneurship, personal growth, and spirituality. It's about diversity, people, a diversity of people that inspire and intrigue me, people that are sharing their life experiences, their incredible personal stories, their tales of transformation, and sharing a wealth of information to light your personal path, your path toward maximum life satisfaction. They're here to help you escape the status quo doldrums of life, raise your personal vibration and provide you with the tools, the knowledge, the experience, and the inspiration you need to discover, uncover, unlock and unleash your best, most authentic self. Why? So we can simply live and be better. All I ask is that you take this journey with me. Find what resonates with you, discard the rest, and use the tools to get out of your own personal comfort zone because we all have one. And then implement the tools to change, to improve, to grow, to share with others, and to serve. Service. That's what we're here on earth to do serve our families, to serve our friends, to serve our fellow man, to serve the best interests of the planet. All right. It's been, uh, it's been a crazy few days on Monday, a couple of days ago. In the period of just 24 hours, we launched our mobile app, and I'll get into that a little bit more in a minute. We posted our 100th episode, and we surpassed 3 million downloads. 3 million downloads, I can't believe it. It's been less than two years, and we've already surpassed, like, I just blows my mind. But how do all these things happen on the same day? That's what's so wild and crazy about it. Well, I chalk it up to what I like to call universal synchronicity. Uh, I always say that when purpose aligns with faith, magical things happen. And if you throw service into the equation, that's when stuff really gets crazy. And I don't know why it is. It just, it just does. It doesn't make sense in the logical, fact-based world, but it just is. And this isn't the first time that I've experienced, you know, something like this. I think if you're paying attention in your own life, you start to see these things happening all around you. When you start to kind of uh, strip away our masks and uh, step into this more authentic version of yourself, and pay attention to your surroundings, you start to see these little synchronicities. And you know, I don't have enough fingers to count the number of times I've I've been in a canoe without a paddle and not sure where I was being directed or just surrendering to, you know, what might come the whims of uh, the universe and proceeding only on intuition and on faith. And it's kind of like how I'm surrendering to all the jackhammering going on right now. There's construction going on right outside my office. I don't know if you can hear it or not. I, I hope I've sort of dialed up the audio so that it blocks it out, but it's driving me crazy right now and forcing me to deepen my surrender to accept That's a tough one. Uh, Anyway, every time I've kind of done this, you know, sort of let go, surrendered, I I end up in some place completely unexpected and, and basically great. You know, that's the thing. A place I could not have predicted and yet without fail, it's pretty much always exactly where I was meant to be when I put some time and distance between it and look back on it objectively. When I look in the rear view, you know, everything just seems to add up. The math is perfect. But for whatever reason, we just can't do that looking forward for whatever reason. We don't have that kind of perception. It's only when we look backwards. Uh, but, you know, I I rely on all of these past experiences that I've had to give me, you know, greater faith and strength going forward. That when I am, when I have my stuff dialed up, you know, when I'm dialed in, when I'm taking care of myself, doing the things I'm supposed to do, that, uh, you know, my intuition uh, is generally reliable, certainly more reliable than it used to be uh, when I was kind of a different kind of guy. But, you know, like I said, all of this stuff uh, sort of requires that we get first, we get right with ourselves. Because if your motivations are driven by, I don't know, character defects or base impulses, if you're disconnected from yourself, if you don't know what's driving you or you're poisoning yourself with unhealthy foods or unhealthy lifestyle habits or constant mindless distractions and your prey to the whims of an uncontrollable chattering mind and emotions like fear and anger and resentment, then you know what? It's not going to work. So like I always say, the hard part, the real work, the work that comes first is the inside work. You do that. And then you create a foundation upon which all of these universal synchronicities can manifest. I can hear you. Well, that all sounds good, but, you know, it's a little new agey. It's a little woohoo. It's a little too ethereal for me. And, uh, yeah, I get it. I totally get that. You know, like, well, how can I start? Like, how do I, I, I'm having trouble even wrapping my brain around what you're talking about. Well, the best place to start is with the food on our plate, what you put in your mouth. If you can change that vibration, you just might be amazed at what might follow. That's my story, and it's also the story of today's guest, a guy who had a passion for healthy, clean, performance-enhancing nutrition that catalyzed a pretty amazing, unexpected journey uh, for this guy, a guy who ultimately has become recognized as one of the most prominent voices, athletes, and entrepreneurs in the health, fitness, and nutrition worlds, Brendan Brazier. For a lot of you guys out there, he needs no introduction. Uh, In many ways, he is the guy. He's the guy. He's that guy. He's the guy leading the charge in the plant-based athletic performance kingdom. Recognized as one of the world's foremost authorities on plant-based nutrition and sports performance, I think it's pretty fair to say that Brendan is really, not only is he the guy, he was like the first guy who lit or continues to light the path for so many people who are exploring this nexus between performance and athleticism on a diet that's fueled either entirely or at least predominantly on plants. And he's certainly one of the guys, if not, again, the guy that I look to for guidance and for information and support and inspiration when I made my shift. And he's a guy that I continue to look to today for education and uh, inspiration. Former professional Ironman triathlete, two-time Canadian 50-kilometer ultra running champion, formulator and face behind the wildly successful ubiquitous an award-winning Vega line of plant-based nutrition products. I mean, it used to be that I'd have to crisscross town and go to one, you know, weird uh, natural food market in order to find Vega. This is back in, I don't know, 2007. And now you walk into Any Whole Foods and there's just a giant section, like an entire section of his product line. And it, it's just amazing the growth of his company uh, and the wild success that that he's having with these uh with these products that are helping people uh, get healthier and perform better as athletes. So he's also the founder of Thrive Food Directs, which is a nationwide plant-based food delivery service. He's a corporate and university guest lecturer and in-demand public speaker on all things plant-based. He even spoke before Congress, I think it was last summer. He's the best-selling author of the Thrive book series. I think there's four of those books. And successful performance consultant to world-class athletes and professional athletes of all types and shapes, including players in the NFL, the NBA, Major League Baseball, NHL hockey players, MMA fighters, and professional cyclists. I know he's worked with uh, the professional cycling team Garmin Sharp. So this guy knows what he's talking about. He was also named one of the top 40, under 40 list of most influential people in the health industry by natural food, the natural food merchandise organization. (laughs) Uh, But you know what, beyond like the, the resume and the labels and the accolades and the entrepreneurial success, at his core, Brendan really is, you know, first of all, he's a friend of mine. I've known him for many years and I can tell you that he's really a guy who's simply devoted to service. It's back to service again, this theme of service. He's helping to educate and inspire all people. Not just athletes, but all people to access and embrace a more ethical, environmentally friendly, and healthy lifestyle. Cool. Uh, so quickly before we get into the conversation, and it's a good one, uh, I want to say uh, a quick word about our new mobile app. Uh, I'm pretty excited about it. It just launched this past week. It's a it's, it's an app for your iOS mobile device, so your iPad, your iPhone, your your iPod Touch, uh, and you can find it on iTunes and download it. It's completely free. Uh, And I'll put a link up to the app in the show notes for this episode. Uh, And a lot of people are like, well, why an app? You know, I use my podcast app on my phone or I, you know, whatever, whatever aggregator you use out there. Well, one of the main reasons that we wanted to put it out there is that I get a lot of emails from people saying, I love the podcast. I'm kind of new to it. I noticed that on iTunes, I can only listen to the most 50, the most recent 50 episodes. So that's half the catalog that's inaccessible on iTunes and a lot of the podcast aggregators that um, that uh, use the RRS, RSS feed to, to get the shows. And so what I wanted to do is put together an app where you could access the entire catalog right in the palm of your hand. You also get all the show notes. You get a cool picture of the guest uh, so you can see what the person looks like. Uh, and I wanted to make it entirely free. So... Now it's easier than ever to go back and and listen to your favorite episodes. You can save episodes. You can share them on Facebook or Twitter with direct links and pictures uh, that will link exactly to that specific episode. I also have an announcement section there where I can make announcements about product updates and discounts and also public appearances and the like. And uh, it's awesome. You know, the the early feedback has been great. Uh, a lot of people seem to be enjoying it uh so i encourage you to check it out and also this is just version 1 um we're going to be adding bells and whistles and eventually uh having premium options as well and i'd love your feedback so let me know what you think uh in the comments section of the on the page at richroll.com for this episode page also uh getting a lot of emails about android i realize like you know almost half the market is android users out there Baby steps people. Uh, if there's enough demand and interest in doing an Android version of the app, then we will certainly entertain uh, making that happen. But we're starting out with the iOS app. We're trying to figure out um, what people like, what they don't like, and we'll go from there. All right. So check that out. Uh, all right. So let's get into today's show. Brendan uh, isn't just an inspiration, but like I said, he's a friend. And I'm really pleased and very honored to share his story with you today. (laughs) We're brought to you today by recovery.com. I've been in recovery for a long time. It's not hyperbolic to say that I owe everything good in my life to sobriety. And it all began with treatment and experience that I had that quite literally saved my life. When you or a loved one need help, go to recovery.com and take the first step towards recovery. To find the best treatment option for you or a loved one, again, go to recovery.com. I'm super proud to announce my next venture, Voicing Change Media. This beautiful consortium of thinkers, storytellers, artists, and visionaries, all committed to fostering meaningful exchanges and sharing thought-provoking content. Voicing Change Media will feature shows like The Proof with Simon Hill, Soul Boom with Rain Wilson, Mentor Buffet with Alexi Pappas, Feel Better Live More with Dr. Rangan Chatterjee, and The Conversation with Amanda D'Academy. You can explore this network and all its offerings at voicingchange.media. I
1: was talking to uh, Rebecca Sony the other day. She, we've been doing some boxing. Uh-huh. Down at um a men's Zone, this boxing studio in uh, Manhattan Beach. Right. That Flo, my friend Flo teaches. And so she's been coming out to a few of those. They're they're pretty fun. It's cool. Well,
0: it seems like uh by the way, we already started. So <laughs> um Yeah, it seems like you've really been exploring different you know avenues of fitness lately like you're 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 kind of bridging out of the multi sport world and you're posting pictures of you you know lifting weights and at the you know working with m m a guys and boxing and doing all kinds of different stuff like what's what's been going on with that
1: well, my fitness is so one dimensional like I've swam bike and biked and ran since I was fifteen, like pretty much every day uh-huh. and uh you know I, I got fairly good at doing those things, but I found when i try doing some other stuff. I tried doing some plyo and some P90X type stuff and I was just horrible. <laughs> it's
0: really bad. I know when yeah. you start to do what most people are doing at the gym, it's yeah. embarrassing.
1: Well, it is. And it, my coordination is terrible or, or mm. was terrible. It's still not good, but it's better than it was. And uh, my my skill level in general is just really low as an athlete. So uh-huh. I've been trying to get better at that and just round myself out as an athlete. So I'm not competitive anymore as, right. as a triathlete and I, I haven't been for a while and I still do the odd running race like half marathon here and mm-hmm. there. But I just want to kind of round out my fitness. And so I've been doing plyo. I've been doing some boxing. I've been just trying to do some other stuff that that just makes me a better athlete in general as opposed to being a specialized runner. And plus I think you know, I, I think I look better when I'm not yeah super well, you get fit. so
0: lean and you get that like twelve year old boy thing going right. when you're riding a bike too much. You know, that sort of, you know, pro tour cyclist physique. And you know, for the kind of message that you're trying to put out to the world or trying to sort of, you know, promote through attraction. The truth is like, you got to look fit the way people think of fitness in a mainstream kind of way.
1: Yeah. It's kind of unfortunate. I mean, the the fittest people I know actually look horrible. (laughs) You know, the the top cyclists, the top athletes are so skinny. They look like they've been in a hospital bed for the last three months, but it's, it's amazing what they can do. Their strength to weight ratio is so mm-hmm. phenomenal. But like you say, people don't really get that. So they're like, oh, this vegan, skinny vegan guy is going to tell me what to do. Well, you know, like you're saying, the pro tour cyclists, the Tour de France guys, the best triathletes, they're super skinny. They're just so mm-hmm. efficient. But then you see them in person and, and they don't look good. And right. I just, I, I don't know. I, I'm not, like I say, I'm not trying to be competitive in that anymore. So I, I would rather be a little well, a little rather. stronger, put on a little more, little more muscle and just be... You better athlete all around.
0: Right. So what is, what has been like the biggest discovery of trying out these new disciplines in terms of like being an athlete or learning
1: about fitness? Well, for me, it's really just, uh, doing stuff that I'm really bad at, right. and, you know, just <laughs> learning that because I'm, uh-huh. I was like terrible at trying to, um, trying to do plyo and trying to do, all these different types of exercises that some people are really good at. And like I say, coordination, balance, any of that, I was just horrible at it. Mm-hmm. Um, so rounding that out and also too, you know, I'm, I'm 39 now, and I'm sort of thinking I want to keep my brain healthy and I want to, um, I want to keep learning new things. And I've read quite a bit about uh, brain, your brain, as it gets older, you know, right. you got to keep learning new things and you got to keep challenging it. And you don't want to get into a routine where you're just doing the same thing over and over. And mm-hmm. um, also, I'm sure a lot of people find this, but it seems like the days are speeding up and like time is going faster and every year gets shorter. It's insane, it's almost August. I feel like summer hasn't started yet
0: and it's right. like it's we're in the closing chapter of it already.
1: Yeah, it's weird. And it So I was reading a bit about that a while ago and I, I learned that once you get into a routine and you get good at things and you get really comfortable at them, time seems to speed up. So if you're bad at things and you're kind of fumbling around learning new things all the time, time has a perception of slowing down. Like back when you were a kid and you were learning things all the time, everything was new to you. So I've been trying to always do at least one or two things a day that I'm horrible at. (laughs) That's a good practice, but
0: I'd never heard that, like the idea of slowing time down through challenging yourself.
1: Yeah. And it kind of made sense to me too, because I, you know, as as a kid, days seemed to last so long and, you know, years felt like what, what five years feels like now. So I thought, yeah, you know, the only real difference is that you're just learning and you don't get too comfortable at stuff because you're not good at it yet. Mm -hmm. But once you've actually become proficient at things, the value of doing it goes down. Um, And also preventing Alzheimer's too. I was reading about this, that if you're always trying to learn something new, so like basketball, so I'm horrible at coordination. So if I try and play basketball, if I start getting good at it, the value of it goes down to me. So you always want to be bad at something. You always want to be learning something new that is challenging your brain to to actually physically change and construct neural pathways.
0: Right. So you're always in that steep part of the learning curve. Exactly. Yeah. But then you get to a certain level of acceptability with it, and then move on to the next thing. Right. All right. Yeah.
1: No. That's that's the plan. I mean, I'm in theory that's what I should be doing. So that's anyways to answer your question. That's why I got into doing some right. of the other types of workouts for for my brain, but also to round myself out as an athlete and and not, um, you know, not look like a runner for the right. rest of my life. Right, Still, right, I right. run as much as I ever have, but I just want to be a better all-around athlete. Well, you're
0: definitely ripped. I mean, those, some of those Instagram pictures you've been putting up lately are ridiculous. Your shoulder muscles and everything. I mean, you're definitely doing something right.
1: Well, I think that's just, uh, yeah, you know, just the boxing and the the uh-huh. plyo and, and all the other types of stuff. And, you know, people say, I, you get this all the time too. I know that, Obviously, you know they say you can't build muscle on a plant-based diet, but mm-hmm. as soon as you start doing the workouts to build muscle, you build muscle.
0: Right. It's okay. it's really it's so much more about well, what are you doing to your body than anything else. It's right. like when I, you know, I can eat a plant-based diet all day long, but if I stop training, if I stop working out, then I get soft immediately. You yeah. Know, like the cycling, especially the cycling fitness seems to like vanish overnight. You know, if you're not constantly applying pressure and going out and spending hours and hours and hours in the saddle.
1: Yeah, and that's, you know, both, I think, good and bad. It's frustrating because you want to keep what you've you've built and you don't mm-hmm. want to lose it. But at the same time, your body is doing it because it thinks it's just going to be the most efficient at whatever it is you're doing the most. So it adapts to it. So right. obviously if it thinks you're not going to be riding your bike much, it has no reason to right. allow you like, to be a good cyclist. Oh, uh, we're
0: done with this. So we right. can shut this part down, right? Yeah. Interesting. So you've been traveling a lot. Yeah. What were you doing in San Francisco?
1: Yeah, I was just just got back from San Francisco uh, yesterday. I was there for the Green Sports Alliance Conference, um, and it's a group I've been involved with for three years now, and a uh, really good group. It's just a bunch of people coming together, talking about ways to make sport, professional sport, more environmentally friendly. So a mm-hmm. lot of stadium owners and managers looking at ways to reduce waste. So putting solar panels on, um, you know, reducing the amount of water used, giving the food away to food banks instead of throwing it out. And... You know, it's still it's funny they're they're coming around to it. But of course, my big thing and my agenda for being there was like, well, hey guys, if you're going to be efficient, why don't we offer some efficiently produced food options? Yeah, i.e., plant based in in the stadium. So that was kind of my my agenda there. And how was that received? It's it's coming along. Um, I I actually
0: (laughs) I was on. Don't threaten the hot dog, man. You know, like.
1: Well, and that's, that's the forbid. thing. Is like, I, I definitely wouldn't say get rid of those things because people go to sports games and they want hot dogs and yeah. all that, and that's fine. And, and I don't, you know, I've never tried and say stop doing that, but at least offer, offer an option. An option yeah. yeah, just give people um, the option if they want a, a plant-based something, you know, veggie dog or whatever to get started. I think right. I think that's a reasonable thing. And I think they get it too. And it's it's just funny that people just haven't made that connection um Generally, you know, Mm -hmm. obviously people in our world have, but just you just look at numbers, you know, it's just a math thing. It's not like it's anything beyond math. they're running
0: businesses, you know, and they're like, how much money are we gonna put into this thing that only a few people really want? Doesn't make sense, you know? So until you reach a certain tipping point, I mean, we live in this bubble where we're surrounding ourselves by choice all the time with people who are like-minded or at least inclined to kind of perceive the world that we do, but it's so easy to, you know, really not fully grasp the the fact that there's so much work to be done and that most people like they, they have no point of reference whatsoever. I mean, I, I did a podcast yesterday with this young kid, Jackson Foster is 21 year old college student, you know, radical vegan activist guy. And he was telling a story of riding his bike cr- cross country a couple of years ago. And just being in a sort of roadside restaurant in the middle of the heartland somewhere and the and the waitress didn't didn't know what vegetarian meant, like he had right. to explain what that is, so we forget that you know for a lot of people, this is still such a foreign concept, and when you're talking about ball games and stadiums, I mean that's where you're talking about really you know the heart of America and where kind of America still is with its relationship to food and fitness and whatever
1: yeah it's so true and that, and that's absolutely it. I was actually um I was at a Mets game fairly recently, and that was interesting. You know, it's it's kind of the blue collar baseball team, and you uh-huh. get there, and um, I was doing this thing. So the folks at, at Beyond Meat, I don't know if right, if yeah, I know them, Ethan, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they they've created um, this burger, this this plant based burger that's really nutrient dense, and it's not a fake meat. It's just it's pea protein. Yeah, it's yeah, not that
0: processed. It's all natural ingredients.
1: Right, so yeah, I'm on on the advisory board for mm-hmm. them, the nutrition advisory board. and We were there outside giving it out to these these blue collar baseball <laughs> fans, and and you know it was really interesting because, you know, you get the kind of standard thing like, oh, I, if it doesn't have legs, I'm not going to eat it, and that kind of right. thing. And then you,
0: I hope you guys were filming this. Do you film it?
1: We actually, yeah, we did, ha- did. We do have a bit of footage, and it was actually um, reported on by the Wall Street Journal as well. And there's, there's oh, an article cool. you can you can search that, and it has a few. Uh, a few of the, the quotes in there from some of the people, but it was interesting because, you know, if if they actually give you a few minutes to explain it to them, they they're quite open. Mm-hmm. Um, I find, but it is that initial bit of time, and and what I think is interesting too is really just taking the argument away from, or even discussion arguments, maybe too harsh a word, but just the discussion away from what's better and just talking about transparency. And it's like, do you want to know where your food comes from? Mm -hmm. And when you buy this, what are you voting for? What are you saying that, that you like, Um, or, or what are you spending money on that maybe, maybe you don't know a lot about. And Mm -hmm. one thing I think beyond meat did, that was really smart too, is they, they took the conversation away from is meat good or is meat bad or any of that. And they just made it a transparency argument. So they challenged Purdue and, uh, the other chicken producer is just to put streaming video in their production facility. And they said, we'll do the same. So, <laughs> right. Of course like that would were- ever happen.
0: You know? Exactly. Yeah. And
1: that was their, their point is that they're not, these companies don't want you to see what goes on, whereas right. they're fully open because they're just putting together these proteins from plants. Um, so then it becomes a discussion about transparency and what ought the consumer know or be able to know when making food choices. And, You got to think if the producer of food doesn't want you to see how it's produced, then it's probably not a good thing. Exactly. Yeah. I
0: mean, that's a brilliant move because it really does, you know, obviate any discussion of ethics or morality or vegan versus carnivore, whatever. All of that is eradicated. And it's really just you know, as a consumer, do you think it's right or wrong that a company is, you're eating something that they're producing and, and they refuse to tell you how it's made?
1: That's exactly, that's it. It. it's just an argument for transparency and who's going to argue against transparency? Right. It's just like, it's, that's American, well, it you can, gotta know. It can,
0: it can be done, like look <laughs> at how Prop 37 was defeated, right? Yeah. Like they were able to convince people that it's not in your interest to have a label on your food that tells you whether it's GMO or not, which is <laughs> completely. completely insane, but yeah. another subject.
1: That that was pretty interesting.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, when when these powerful food companies get together and, you know, are buttressed by their powerful political lobbies and all that heft, they can create arguments uh, through, you know, tremendous marketing dollars that confuse people enough so that they vote against their interests. So they'll take an argument, whether it's just, you know, a, a right to know or a labeling argument or transparency and twist it into something that it isn't to confuse people enough and turn the tables on the beyond meats, you know, that's sort of yeah. the, the pattern or the practice.
1: Yeah. It's unfortunate, but it, but it is true. And yeah, I mean, that's some pretty good marketing when you can convince people that they shouldn't actually know things. <laughs> I <laughs> know. mean, that is. That I know. Is, How
0: do they achieve that? Like that's actually, that's genius. That's genius it is. at work. It know? really I mean, is. It's, it's diabolical, yeah. but you know, it's still
1: amazing that they were able to do that. Yeah. That's um, yeah. That, I mean, it's phenomenal marketing. It's like the the dairy foundation. And it's, you know, it's its amazing ability to convince people since the early 1900s that it actually makes sense to drink milk from another mammal. Mm-hmm. And that not only does it make sense, but you actually have to, to be healthy. Right. If you don't do it, then there's something wrong with you. Right. And that milk equals calcium, calcium equals milk. It's like this. Is-
0: well, and then beyond that, to get the government on board so that they can put posters up and market to young people in public institutions like schools. You right. know, it's, it's it's literally this crazed propaganda that goes down to the core of, you know, our culture and gets us at our earliest, most formative years. And yeah. then it becomes incredibly difficult to overcome that predisposition or that, you know, opinion about this food or that
1: food. Yeah. And then it becomes a comfort too. It, it You know, the way McDonald's smells, I still walk by McDonald's and- I don't like that smell, but it's distinct enough that it it takes me back to... It triggers
0: something for sure. Yeah,
1: yeah, like when you're a five-year-old having a birthday party there with your friends and family and it's all this this happy time and that smell is associated Mm -hmm. with it. And of course, that's by design. It's not just a coincidence. So, yeah, exactly. Try and get people young, build it into their their culture um, and just who they are. So, how did you? How many people at the Mets game did you get <laughs> <eat> these burgers? <laughs> quite a few, actually. Yeah. There are quite a few who who tried it. Um, the team tried it too. There are quite a few on the team, and they, they you know, they, I mean, they're phenomenal athletes. In there, mm-hmm. I've, I have a whole new respect for baseball players too. I mean, they play. Was it 168 regular season games every year, uh, and that's that's a lot of games, mm-hmm. and. uh Recovery becomes huge, so as recovery becomes more important, good nutrition obviously does. And and these guys got it. You know, you just spend five minutes explaining it, and they're like, "Yeah, that totally makes sense. I would definitely eat that." So that was good. And then, yeah, going outside and and the fans, and quite a few of them were pleasantly surprised. I think they thought it would taste horrible, Mm -hmm. and it and it really didn't. Um, And then there are a few people who, you know, could hardly could could even swallow. Yeah, 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 and couldn't even (laughs) swallow it, and just. But then there's one guy who couldn't. He's like, "Oh, I, I just, I can't, I can't. Ah, oh, this uh-huh. is horrible." And then, you know, ten minutes later, he comes back. He's like, "Okay, I'll have it. I'll have one now. I'm, right. I'm, I'm, I'm really hungry." <laughs> so,
0: well, if you're going to a Mets game, you should have brought John Joseph because he, he can connect with those guys.
1: Yeah, yeah I, I should have yeah. actually. Yeah, I saw him just, just the other day. Had dinner with, with John, and um, yeah, his new book "Meat is for Pussies" is right. out. Which, uh, yeah, you and I both actually, yeah, you wrote the forward to that. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's cool. Yeah, it's a great, uh, great book and. Highly recommended. Yeah, me too.
0: In addition to the Mets, you're so you mentioned like you you know you were talking to some of the athletes, and you ha- I mean it seems like you're working with a lot of professional athletes these days, like guys from the Yankees and NHL NHL players and guys in the NFL and the NBA and golf and all sorts of stuff. Like, tell tell me a little bit about like how that started and what your kind of involvement is with professional sports.
1: Yeah, so so it's interesting. What usually happens is one of these players, their wife, girlfriend, sister, it often comes from a woman, will mm, of course read read my book Thrive and think, Okay, well this this sort of makes sense. Maybe my husband, boyfriend, brother, whoever it is, um, would, would benefit from this and they get the book and then that's usually how I get the call. It comes through through the the woman in their life and uh, right so
0: it's individual athlete it's not like the team manager or somebody says come on out because i know you've worked with like garmin the cycling team and and other like on an organizational level right
1: yeah it it always starts with with one of the athletes Uh and and so for example with uh, the baltimore orioles i've i was working with them for quite a bit because of brian roberts who Mm -hmm. who played with them now he's with the yankees so he got the Orioles eating really well. You go in, in their dugout, they have Vega in there and it's just they're, you know, they, they get it. They, they right. like, they really understand it. And now he's with the Yankees, so he's kind of doing the same thing over there. And I think it's what it takes. It takes someone who's high level and also a little bit later in their career. You know, when you're 21-year-old, 22-year-old, you probably know, not thinking about this stuff, right, but, right. you know, Brian now, he's 36 and uh, he's, he's doing great. And these guys, these young kids look up to him um, and he's, you know, him along with other people too is when they get to kind of mid thirties, they're looking at how much longer can they compete at a high level, mm-hmm. and can they get another couple of years out of their career? Which you know you can put a dollar value on that; it can be a lot oh, of yeah. money to these guys. So they're starting to think longevity and extending career. So then they sort of they start thinking about inflammation reduction and things that plant based foods can can bring to them. So then that's usually when when I get the the call because they're like, hey, look, you know, I'm I got inflamed knees or wh- right. whatever it is. And and then they try it and they like it. And some of these guys, they really need it spelled out. They need a meal plan, but then others just need the concept. Like Brian, for example, just needs the concept. He totally gets it. He's like, yep, got it. So then he can make his own meal plans up. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it just depends who it is. Yeah, some really need, like, just tell me what to eat and they do it and then they others feel. Need your, they need you to hold their hand or explain it to them more in depth. Yeah. So, um,
0: I mean, mo- a lot of people, I, don't know, I was going to say most people, but I don't know about most people, but well, yeah, probably most people that are listening to this, they n- know full well who you are. They're already fans. They're already, they've read your books. They've, they're they on the Vega plan and the whole thing. But for people who maybe, you know, are kind of coming from a different perspective and, and aren't so familiar with your whole take on on nutrition, like let's, you know, I don't want to spend too long on it, but let's, you know, break it down because you have some really interesting... Ideas and uh, approaches that kind of extend beyond just basically eating a plant based diet. Like you talk about, you know, allergens in your food and the importance of stress reduction and alkaline forming foods and the elimination of biological debt and all these sort of, you know, really interesting, fascinating subjects that are you know highly appropriate for the athlete but are really things that I think we all need to bear in mind when we want to think about how can we you know raise our vibration or increase our vitality throughout our day
1: yeah well i i started off when i was um 15 and running track in high school and i wanted to try and be a pro athlete i thought mm-hmm. you know it'd be great if i could just run and make that a career and um, then I started swimming and cycling. So I thought, okay, well, maybe I can be a triathlete. So that's what brought me into the nutrition world. I knew nothing about nutrition then as most 15 year olds don't, but I found that what the top guys in the world were doing, the Ironman guys who were winning races were, were really training pretty much the same as the average guys. So of course, mm-hmm. you know, I, I asked, well, what is it that separates the, the top from the average? And I found it really had to do with rate of recovery. You know, when you're training a lot for Ironman, Basically, it's the more the more you can do and recover from, the better. It's really just that blue collar kind of just get out there and chip away every day. And um so that that got me looking at, at nutrition as a way to reduce inflammation and speed recovery. And and then um I just came up with um over years, many years just a nutrition system that worked really well for me. Mm -hmm. And I improved at a faster rate than the normal when I was racing and people knew I was eating plant-based. And so they started asking, well, you know, what are you doing? And I wrote and self published a short book uh, 10 years ago, an 80 page book called Thrive um, was really just frequently asked questions. And I put together a nutrition overview of uh, just principles that worked well for me. And I wasn't saying, you know, this is the only way or this is the best way, but it was just the way I did it. Mm-hmm.
0: And I found it worked the, well for me. What was the guiding principle that led you to sort of discovering that plant-based was an advantage as opposed to a disadvantage?
1: Well, there's, It's really just comes down to efficiency. I found that you could spend less energy digesting and assimilating food and getting more nutrition in return. So less energy out, more nutrition in. And mm-hmm. I was under the impression for years, as I think a lot of people are for obvious reasons, that a calorie is a measure of food energy. So you would assume the more calories you ate, the more energy you would have. And of course that's not the case because if it were people who ate a big 3000 calorie fast food they meal, would have energy. tons of energy and <laughs> the opposite is true. They wow. fall asleep. So there was obviously a disconnect there. And I found it had to do with net gain. So something I call high net gain nutrition in my book, whereas you wanna spend the least amount of digestive energy to get the most amount of nutrition. And mm-hmm. when I say nutrition, I'm not talking about calories, I'm talking about vitamins, minerals, phytochemicals, antioxidants. So for, for example, I swapped out starchy, refined carbs, um, pasta, white rice, these, these foods that had quite a lot of calories, but didn't have a lot of nutrition for things like pseudo grains, amaranth, Mm. quinoa, buckwheat, wild rice, more nutrient dense food. So you spend less energy. So therefore you have more of it because you're spending less and you're getting more nutrition um, while expending less energy. So it just really really comes down to efficiency. Um, And then because you have more energy, you can use that to rebuild and repair. Uh, you know, we all have a finite amount of energy. It's not something that it's just this endless supply. So if we come up with efficiencies on how to spend it more wisely, such as eating foods that take less energy to digest, then it's it's going to be an advantage. And um, and I wasn't hungry all the time too. After a while, I used to just fill up on these refined foods. I was, mm-hmm. I was vegan, but just wasn't doing it right. Um, so I had a lot of calories, but not a lot of nutrition. And, you know, it's a funny time we're in today where, Food is no longer synonymous with nutrition. You can you can eat a lot of food, doesn't mean you're well-nourished. Mm-hmm. And a lot of obese people actually show symptoms of malnourishment, which is crazy. Yeah, it's insane, think, right? It's right. like,
0: are we starving or are we fat? You know, yeah, we we're, can't we're decide. We're actually both. And you know, right. like it's just, it's completely m-
1: mind boggling. Yeah, so so that's one thing. And then another thing too, you mentioned um, biological debt. That's something that, you know, a lot of North Americans, I think, um, become caught up in a cycle where, Uh, They're they're tired. They wake up tired. So then they crave coffee and sugar. Caffeine, Mm. of course, is a stimulant. Sugar is a stimulant. So you get energy right away through stimulation, which treats the symptom of fatigue, but doesn't treat the cause. The cause is um, you haven't slept deeply enough or you haven't slept enough in general. And so that is brought about by high cortisol. So cortisol is a stress hormone that um, whenever we're stressed, it goes up. So stress can come from you know, traditional stress, too much work, not enough rest. It can come from breathing polluted air. It can come from worrying about things we have no control over, Mm -hmm. come from low quality food. It can come from overtraining, just training more than your body can actually rebuild and repair from. So you don't wanna cut back on your training because then you slow your rate of progress. So, you know, you wanna find other ways to reduce stress without reducing um, the ability to, to train a lot and improve. So you can create and find some of those efficiencies through better food. Um, So when you eat more nutrient dense foods, cortisol, the stress hormone, goes down. Uh, You sleep more deeply, so you wake up. You're fresh. You're rested. Mm -hmm. You don't don't have to wake up and borrow energy. Exactly. Yeah. And I kind of I use the analogy. uh, You know, drinking coffee. It's kind of like shopping with a credit card. You get something now, but you pay Mm -hmm. later. And I think I don't think coffee is a bad thing. I think you know, as long as people realize that you are getting energy now that you haven't actually earned and you are going to have to pay it back. So you'll get more tired later, but that's okay. If you factor that into your plan, if you need a bunch of energy right now for a hard workout, or you've got a ton of work to do and you have to, you know, stay up really late to get it done. Well, that's fine. Um, coffee can be good for that, but just, it's just know not that free, it's not free. It's not free. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You are going to have to pay it back. So a good way too, is to nourish yourself. Well, lowers cortisol. You wake up and you don't um have that dependence on caffeine and sugar um and dependence of as you know obviously you don't want that, but using it selectively for certain workouts or certain things that you need to get done, that's fine, but know that you do have to pay it back so the the biggest gain can come from improving sleep quality um which means then when quantity uh goes or when quality goes up, quantity comes down, so mm. uh you'll wake up and You'll have slept six hours instead of eight, and you'll have two extra hours during the day. You right, get right. more done. You can, you know, train more, whatever you want to do with your extra time. And you're you are as rested because you slept more efficiently. So it's, again, you know, in 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 a word, efficiency. It's all about efficiency with digestion, with getting nutrients while spending less energy while getting um, higher quality, uh, rest and recovery with less sleep. So it's really just trying to find a way to get more for less. Right.
0: And you have to, I mean, my experience with this sort of borrowing energy through caffeine is, uh, you know, I've been off coffee, then then I went back on, I'm back off, you know, like I've rubber banded and, you know, part of that's because I have such an addictive personality that if I have coffee, like then I'm back in, you know, like it's very difficult for me. I struggle with that. Um, and in order to break that cycle, you know, I'll wake up in the morning and my if my habit is to have coffee first thing, it's like, no, I'm going to drink water, then I'm going to have a kale smoothie, even though I don't feel hungry and I'm craving caffeine, I'll do that instead. I'll force myself to move my body and exercise and then I'll like feel okay, you know, and it kind of dissipates and it goes away and it'll take a couple days, but then my the quality of my sleep improves because once you kind of break that it's like if you're if you're borrowing energy from too much coffee during the day then that interrupts your sleep cycle you don't sleep as well and then you right. wake up not feeling rested and you're perpetuating this vicious cycle that becomes increasingly more and more difficult to break so you have yeah. to be uncomfortable for a couple of days to kind of get out of it but then once you do then the need to borrow energy is reduced because your energy is high. Right. You don't you, you don't have to borrow it because you actually feel good, right. and that's the payoff with it.
1: Yeah, exactly. So that's the investment. You know, in the beginning, it is going to be a little bit uncomfortable, and yeah. there is a bit of a, a hump at the beginning there. But once you you get past that, like you say, then it becomes lifestyle. It just becomes second nature. Right. And with the palate too, as people transition to a cleaner diet, their palate will start to shift. They'll start to crave mm-hmm. kale and you people know. People don't these, believe that, it, but it's true. It, it really is. And I've I've met so many people who have made that transition and I'm sure you have too, where it's just, you know, in the beginning, they it just tastes horrible to them. But when you have a really refined, clean palate, you can taste different subtleties and different types of lettuce. Whereas someone who eats a standard American diet, it would all take taste the same because they're used to th- overflavored foods like potato chips that if you or I ate, it would probably, you know, taste way too, too flavorful and and our palates is not used to that. So it's just about recalibration and adjustment. Yeah. And this idea of, uh, of high, uh, nutrient gain,
0: like net gain in your foods is also like a new concept for a lot of people. And that, you know, kind of what I say is, you know, look at what you don't think about and what you were alluding to is this idea of, how much energy it takes to break down the foods that you eat so if you eat steak like that actually takes quite a toll on your body to digest it it takes a lot of energy to do that and any any kind of like heavy you know sort of processed foods or high fat foods that's why you feel lethargic and lousy after you eat but if you can eat foods that are easily assimilated you don't get that post-meal food coma you are immediately energized which is why you know having a green smoothie, which is essentially a pre-digested meal, you right. know, makes you feel so good so quickly.
1: Yeah. Again, just about efficiency. And that's what a lot of athletes are are finding out now. I've found they're, they're very open to a lot of these high level guys, especially a lot of MMA guys who are in the UFC. They love it. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. Like I would say they're ahead of everyone, like all the pro mm-hmm. of all the pro leagues, you know, UFC, those guys are, you know, I guess they have more on the line because if they're not feeling good, they're going to get their head beaten in. So there's kind of a big incentive there.
0: It's so interesting because, you know, for guys like us, you know, runner guy, runner trial. It's like, we're not, we're not threatening in the sort of, you know, panoply of masculinity in terms of like athletes, you know, we're very different from MMA fighters who are the epitome of what it means to be, you know, the ultimate man, right. In their aggressiveness, their strength, their agility, their speed, all of these things, like check any box and those guys are at the top of the game. So it's almost ironic that those are the guys that are of all the sort of professional athlete disciplines out there, that they're the ones who are really like on it more than any
1: other sports. Yeah, and interestingly, their fans are probably the <laughs> furthest from right, they possibly <laughs> yeah, could be. I know.
0: It's, it is, it's amazing, right? Yeah. Because that's, that's not a far distance from kind of the CrossFit world where, you know, it's, it's really all about paleo, which kind of brings me into the next thing. Like, I'm sure on a daily basis, people say, well, you know, what's wrong with paleo? I started eating paleo. I feel great. I love my CrossFit gym. Yeah. You know, how do you feel that? Like, what is your, you know, how do you engage people when they come to you with that question?
1: Well, a few things. I think, like some will say, you know, I've done these interviews before, I'm sure you have too, mm-hmm. where they compare vegan to paleo. And, and that's not really a fair comparison in that vegan is, is very broad. I mean, you can be a junk food vegan very easily, a lot mm-hmm. of refined foods and all that. And, and neither you or I are, are suggesting people should be eating all these refined foods. So I think paleo is very specific, but the sort of plant-based diet we're talking about is really quite specific too. It's, you know, a whole food diet. Um, so there's really quite a lot of common ground between what the paleo guys are doing and, mm-hmm. and plant-based, I mean, the you know, big obvious difference is, you know, is the meat, um, that paleo is doing and, you know, some of the grains, I guess they're, they're not doing as well, but there is a fair bit of common ground there. Um, I, I think again, you know, like what you were saying too, with the efficiency of digestion, having more energy, um, and not being dependent on stimulants, uh, mm-hmm. is, is a big thing. And, coming down to that. And, you know, some guys will say, well, you know, I only eat grass-fed meat and I'm sure you hear that a lot too. And and my response to that is that, well, one, one thing that I've become really interested in over the last little while is some of the environmental and the the social implications of of our food choices just mm-hmm. in general. And, um, you know, eating grass-fed there just simply isn't enough. Like if mm-hmm. if people were to try and do that on a broad scale, it's just we don't have the land. That's why factory farms were created is to produce, you know, more food on, on less land. Mm-hmm. Um and have you seen uh cowspiracy yet? No, I've heard about it. Right. John Joseph was telling me about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So
0: um and I had those guys on the podcast and I, I saw the film, they introduced it when it's green in LA and they go into all of this and and they sort of take there's cause there's an argument out there. Uh, I don't know who is the person behind it that um, that actually grass fed can be sustainable, and I don't know how that works. I, I'm I'm not saying that I've read the studies or whatever this person's position is on this, but I just don't know how that could possibly be true because when you look at the grass fed, you know, beef farms, the amount of land that they require for a very small head of cattle it just doesn't seem like it would be possible. You, like you would have to right. cover, what they say in conspiracy is essentially you'd have to cover every single, you know, square inch of all of North America, you know, including Canada and, and Mexico in right. order to feed the United States. And that would include like turning Manhattan into, you know, sort of grazing
1: land. Right. <laughs> you know? Like it just, it's not gonna work. Like the math just doesn't work. Right, well, only 7% of the US and only 5% of Canada is arable. So it's actually really quite small. And of course, the arable land is also... Uh, for the most part the easiest to build on so as population increases you know a lot of the arable land is being paved over for subdivisions to Mm -hmm. to fit more people in so it's kind of coming at it from both ways um and then and my thing too is you know if it's if it's not a scalable solution then it's not really a solution so we've got seven billion people on earth and if we're going to do something you know in uh in the us or canada or one of these really privileged countries that only works for us, I don't really see that as a a solution globally. Mm -hmm. And, you know, something I really admire about what, uh, like Bill Gates right now, he's doing quite a lot of really good work trying to figure out and not him personally, but found really good scientists to try and find out how can we produce protein more efficiently? Mm -hmm. Like how can we... Uh, use less land water fossil fuel, and create fewer c o two equivalent emissions and you know that 's one of the reasons he 's an investor in, in beyond meat because he f- he believes that it 's through plants and it 's just mm-hmm. a math thing i mean he's you know he's not looking at it for any other reason than it's just simple math and I think he gets heat though
0: though doesn't he doesn't he also invest in like some sort of you know monsanto type
1: organizations as well yeah i've heard so, i have heard some yeah. of that and you know it's in monsanto of course you know they're they're criticized um, for for a lot of things, and I think rightfully so for for a lot of it. But I, I think there there are some groups that are merging food and science. That on the surface it sounds a little bit scary, but I think some of it we we do need to look at. Um, if we're going to produce enough food for for the amount of people that are on this earth, right, like this sort of soilent, uh, sort
0: of soilent, you know, meal in a package kind of idea,
1: yeah, and I mean, like in we're gonna a perfect start world, e-
0: eating like astronauts, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, well, we might have to if we stay the course the way that we've been sort of producing food because it's it's not sustainable. We're running out of land. We're destroying the environment. Like it's just it's not it's not going to work much longer.
1: Right, and there's this you know this really nice idea that we all have our own garden. And you know, you and I were fortunate we're in Southern California, we can grow stuff year round. We have a, you know, a bit of land we can do stuff on and, and that's great. But what about all the other people? Right. Um, and of course, if you have the ability to grow some of your own food, great, do it. That's, mm-hmm. that's perfect, zero food miles and really efficient. But again, I, you know, I've, I've really become interested in the, the global implications of food production and, and trying to help uh, find a solution that is scalable. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why, you know, I admire what the folks at Beyond Meat are doing and some other companies too, that are, yeah, are trying to Josh, find a solution.
0: Josh Tetrick at Beyond Eggs, yeah. similar kind of organization. I'm sure there's plenty of others out there.
1: Right. And not being afraid of, of science. I mean, science is a great thing. <laughs> science mm-hmm. is, uh, you know, can, it can be used really well and responsibly for, for a lot of things. And I think not being afraid of tech and food, I mean, obviously being very careful, you don't want to start creating things that are highly processed and, you know, these weird hybrids of things. But I do think that being open to science being part of the solution and not having this, you know, this romantic ideal that we can all grow our own food um, is going to help us long-term. And, you know, for those of us, like I say, who can, great, let's do it, but let's also try and work on a solution that's scalable.
0: Right. Yeah. There's this tension between sort of getting back to the natural. And I think paleo speaks to that too, kind of having a real... Um, you know, tangible connection to the land and our food and where it comes from and sort of getting our hands dirty in the soil and all of that, which I think is great and very important to be connected in that way. And that's something that, you know, we just lack in our modern day. And I think that's why, you know, that's a big reason why kind of, you know, paleo speaks to a lot of people because it kind of pushes that button and and helps people to kind of unlock in that way Um, versus this idea of embracing innovation and technology, you know, and, but doing it in a responsible way, like doing it in the way, you know, the guys at beyond meat and beyond eggs are doing it. And, but also being cautious enough to, um, you know, be wary of the Monsantos and, you know, splicing the DNA and sort of, you know, putting food on our plates before we even know what's going on or if there's any kind of long-term understanding of the implications of this on our health or the environment, et cetera. So, okay. how do you create checks and balances on that that are not just bought and paid for by special interest groups is the trick, I think.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's... um yeah, the last thing obviously is you want to do is have yeah you know, these corporations who have a vested interest that get in politically and start you know paying a lot of money to have their food um, mm-hmm. you know kind of part of the the USDA pyramid and mm-hmm. and, and all that. But uh, yeah, I'm 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 very open to and and even sort of I guess beyond open, like really kind of advocating uh that we look at at science and technology as a way to uh to do it. And 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 I just find in, in my world, I'm sure in your world too, you see it, a lot of people are just like, just eat real food and well that's mm-hmm. great for for those of us who can. But again, going back to looking at this as a global problem and just limited resources and a lot of people to feed and, you know, a lot more people on the way. So something has to be done.
0: We're so sort of America-centric too. Like we think if we figure this out, then we've solved the world's problems. But, you know, meanwhile, China and India are developing and you know, they're finally have a middle class with some extra dollars to spend. And now they want the good life. And yeah. they're like, screw you, man. You know, yeah. I want my burger and, you know, leave me alone. Yeah. And so we can do, you know, everything we want to do over here. But until we create solutions and systems that are palatable, you know, on a global level, like there's still work to be done. And we have to be kind of the torchbearer and, you know, lead the way and hope that others will follow. But you
1: know, when you look at sort of global population, we're, you know, we're only a small slice of that. Right. Yeah. And in India as it's emerging and, and China too, like you say, you know, that's gonna be, gonna be some serious energy consumption, land mm-hmm. consumption going on there. And, you know, it's interesting. It's um in China, just until very recently, uh, there was just food in China. And now there's there's junk food. There's KFC, there's McDonald's. So mm-hmm. with Western Food comes Western problems, Western oh, disease crazy. so now there's whole industry of a health food industry has has come to China right, and it used to just be food <laughs> now there's junk food, so there has to be health food so
0: <clears throat> yeah they've never it's it's never been a thing before right I've gone to the Middle East a couple of times over the past year and I've traveled throughout. Saudi Arabia. I was in Bahrain. I was in all these you know, places. And yeah, you see KFC, Carl's Jr. Yeah. They have TGI Fridays. They're like every yeah. imaginable like chain restaurant is just pops up all over the place there. Right. And this is a new thing. And for the first time in the history of humankind, like they're having all kinds of crazy problems with heart disease and diabetes mm-hmm. and, you know, et cetera. Um, and they don't know, they don't know what to do with it. They don't have like, they they, they haven't had this slower ramp up to having to, right. you know, kind of confront these kinds of things. And I have went and talked to groups there and they're like, we don't, you know, what do we do? We don't know. You know, we, we, they have no basis to even begin the conversation about what's healthy and what's unhealthy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Just all of a sudden they have all these diseases. And like you say, yeah, it was, you know, a big ramp up since I guess the fifties or so in, in the U S. So it's been, Kind of coming for a while, but there, yeah, it's just all of a sudden, just bang, right, boom, and then they're like,
0: "What? What happened? My kid's
1: fat. <laughs> yeah, <You know, like, laughs> right. He
0: plays video games and wants to go to you know Papa John's or whatever, you know, in Riyadh, or right. He like, has this learning
1: disability, <laughs> yeah. and his teachers get mad at him and because no one, he can't concentrate. Right. <laughs> no
0: one, no one knows what to do with it. So that's interesting. So is Vega making like sort of active moves in R and D in that area of trying to you know sort of conjure up. More scientific based, you know, sustainable ways of feeding people, or I mean, like, is the is the company
1: kind of contemplating that for for North America? Um, you know, much beyond North America, and obviously, there's as, as we we're just saying, there's going to be major major opportunity, and I hate to use that word because it sounds like a good thing, and it mm-hmm. when it's really actually a very bad thing, it's unfortunate that that opportunity is starting to exist, but. Um, we ourselves will not try and and get it over there because it's just the resources needed to to get it distributed there. It's just it, it's pretty crazy. Like you know, we we see ourselves as not just a product company, but as an education company. So we we do a lot um, of education in mm-hmm. in Canada and the U.S. But to go beyond that, it's just the resources required. It's really right. pretty significant, and you know, so we try and do a lot here. Of course, there's. Um, you know, Thrive Forward—that online video course mm-hmm. that that's free. There's 40 videos, a bunch of downloads, recipes, and stuff. So people can check that out. I know you have a course too. So it's the mm-hmm. sort of stuff that you know I see. I see it as almost a responsibility for people who have this information to disseminate it because it's um, it's going to save people a lot of time. It's going to save them a lot of uh, a lot of issues down the road if they don't have it. And I'm the sort of person who likes to try and learn from other people's mistakes and not have Mm -hmm. to make them myself to, to do that. So, and actually figure it out. So I like, um, you know, I I like learning from, from what other people have done. So I'm trying to do the same thing and put out there, you know, something that's taken me 15 years to kind of put together and figure out and just get it out there so they can learn in you know a few months. And and I think that's just kind of the social, uh, social benefit of, of a lot of, uh, a lot of information sharing that, you know, we're all part of now. Right, right, right. I mean, in terms of making
0: mistakes, like when you sort of interface with people, whether it's athletes or just people you meet along your path, what are some of the most kind of common misconceptions that people have about, you know, how to eat to be an athlete or how to eat just to be healthy that are really elementary?
1: Well, the big one is protein. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's still a question I get a lot and I'm sure you do too, just where do you get your protein? And again, that goes I back. Get, I never get that question, <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's funny. It's just back to you know the just this amazingly good marketing that's been done over the last century uh, to make people feel as though they they got to have protein from meat, and mm-hmm. it's got to be a lot of it. So I get that a lot. Uh, also, too, just how do you do it when you travel? You know, people are always amazed that you can you can eat well when you travel and. I eat very simply, you know, I, I spend most of my, my time at grocery stores, whole foods, if I can, um, just, I graze, I just eat throughout the day, mm-hmm. fruit, vegetables, um, the salad bar there of course is great. So I'm pretty easy to please. I, I can find food that I like at really any grocery store. Right. Um, I, cause I, I've kind of got away from that thing and I've done this just, I guess it's been it's been quite a while now over the last 15 years of getting away from thinking about meals like breakfast lunch and dinner I just eat I don't really right. have breakfast, lunch or dinner. I just sort <laughs> yeah. of eat whenever I feel
0: like. I'm it. sort of like that too. Like I can go to the grocery store and just get a bag with a couple different p- kinds of fruit in it, maybe like a little thing of nuts, yeah. whatever, just like a variety of just things in the produce section. And I just have that like on the passenger seat of my car as I'm driving around LA and I just eat it. And then I, I don't, I don't go, oh, I didn't eat any meals today, but I've been sort of grazing all day long and I feel fine.
1: Right. And then you don't have to have a huge meal at night, which then obviously you're not going to sleep as well. You don't digest it as well. You wake up and you haven't slept as deeply and then, you know, you spiral from there. So I think grazing works really well. And it's, um, like Google, for example, at their, their Googleplex and Mountain View, you know, Mm -hmm. they, they put in those cafeterias, um, free food. It's, for all the employees. So, right. salads, smoothies. The idea was to reduce healthcare costs because people wouldn't get sick as often. And that happened. But what also happened that they didn't expect was productivity went way up because people weren't having that 2 p.m. crash right. after eating a big meal and having all the blood leave their brain, they sit go their to the desk stomach.
0: And then they're starving and then they go eat and then they come back and crash.
1: Right. Yeah. Exactly. So, this is just grazing all the time. And yeah, like you say, productivity has gone way up. We uh, we copy that model for the head office at Vegas. So we have free salads, free smoothies, everything's free mm-hmm. whenever you want. There's no lunchtime, you just go and have it whenever. And it's 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 amazing how much more productive people are. And they save the office longer because there's free food. So But the core they work more. I
0: think the core behind it that you're getting at is just keeping it super simple. Yeah. Like it doesn't have to be some crazy complicated thing. Just go get a couple apples and some bananas and, you know, some almonds and some walnuts and, or yeah. whatever it is, you know, just a couple simple things. And just, if you're going on a plane, if you're you know, whatever, you're going to be at the airport, all those kinds of things. It doesn't have to be, uh, I think there's this idea that you have to slave in your kitchen and like pre-prepare all these meals and put them in Tupperware things and stack them up and you're in there yeah. for hour. It, it has to be, yeah. and it's like, that's never been my experience. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Neither has it been mine. Um, you know, my recipe books they are the recipes are, you know, for the most part, a little more elaborate than what I, I would make on a regular basis, mm-hmm. but people want that. You know, my most recent one, Thrive Energy Cookbook, it's it's more of a transitional book to help people who are wanting to get into this and, and make good meals. Um, but some of them do take a little bit of time. Um, there are some simple ones too, but I, mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I'm like you that way. I just, a bit of quinoa, avocado, uh, and right. of sea salt. <laughs> I just, <laughs> like for me, like my wife is really, like she knows how to make
0: like these Vitamix smoothies that just are just beyond delicious. You know, she'll do the, just the right amount of this or that. Whereas like I just open up the fridge and I just dump a bunch of stuff in there and no matter what I do, it ends up tasting the same. And like, that's just fine. You know, like I'm yeah. just looking to like feel good. And I'm like you, I'm like, I'm easy to please. Like it doesn't have to be any big thing, you know?
1: Right. And to me, um, food is, it should complement what it is I'm trying to do. Like if I want energy, I want to be, think clearly. Um, I don't want to be weighted down by it. So as long as it's serving me, I don't want me to have to feel like a slave around it. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, eating should be to further your um, your ability to to work well. And I, I think that's something that's kind of resonated with Quite a few people, whether it's athletes or business people, high achievers in general, they they now see food as a way to boost their performance. It's kind of like base. Right. You know, if you're eating well, you're less likely to get sick, but also your mental clarity is going to be greater, your productivity is going to be better. Like I was saying before, you don't have a big heavy meal sitting in your stomach that blood has to leave your brain and go there and digest it so you can think more clearly. So there's a lot of real world benefits to this too. It's mm-hmm. not just you know, this this kind of weird fringe thing anymore, obviously. Mm-hmm.
0: So how do you kind of deal with, I mean, right now there's this big kind of craze about eating a high fat, like high protein diet, like ketosis, you know, it's all about like ketosis and low yeah. carb and all that kind of stuff, which is, you know, I guess a, a, a distant cousin of paleo in some regard, but it's kind of its own thing. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of people out there, you know, sort of pushing this for lack of a better word, which seems to me, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but it seems to me to just be kind of a, uh, you know, a reinvention of what is essentially an Atkins-based diet. Yeah,
1: yeah, I mean, that's kind of my take too. Is it's, yeah. They don't I like that when idea. you say that, <laughs> like they say it's no. not like
0: that, but I'm still trying to figure out how it's different.
1: Right, because, yeah, trying to get your body to burn fat efficiently, which I, I get, you know, of course, when you go for the long bike rides and stuff. Especially if
0: you're an, Yeah, if you're an endurance athlete, you want to be very efficient at burning fat for fuel. But right. my whole thing is, and tell me if I'm wrong about this, but I think that that has a lot more to do with how you train than what you eat. Like if I'm training in the proper zone two, mm-hmm. and I'm sort of using the correct type of metabolism during my workout, that is going to have the biggest impact on whether I'm burning fat for fuel as opposed to what I'm eating before my workout.
1: Yeah, I I agree. I think it's, you know, comes down to the training for sure and getting your body to burn fat efficiently. You know, like the top marathoners who run 205, you know, they're so efficient that they they don't even need to take in calories during a marathon, (laughs) you know, because their body's burning fat efficiently. And that's from training. I mean, that's not from being in ketosis all the time. Right, it's just, you know, in that state that those long, easy runs where you're burning fat and your body becomes accustomed to it. Um, I, yeah, I, I wouldn't say I'm high carb, but definitely closer to high carb than, than <laughs> low carb. Um, I, I find starchy carbs, if, if I don't eat enough starchy carbs, I tend to get fairly light. Um, like if I fuel just with fruit, Mm-hmm. I feel fine, but I do. I do find I get quite light. Um, so I like light some... meaning like lean and skinny, or meaning like lightheaded. Lean and skinny. Uh-huh. I, I just find I lose too much too much muscle. Right. Which um, is fine up to a point until you start losing strength. Then obviously your strength to weight ratio starts to change. So I kind of try and stay just ahead of that. Mm-hmm. Um, especially when I was trying to be more competitive as an athlete. Now I just want to. Like I was saying off the top there, just be kind of a decent all round athlete and just fit in general. But I find, yeah, having some sweet potatoes, having some wild rice, buckwheat, amaranth, quinoa, sprouted bread, you know, it's definitely a part of my my diet. Right.
0: And, and when you go and you visit these professional teams, whether it's the uh, major league baseball players or golf players or what have you, I mean, what is, um, I mean, you know, what is the, the typical professional athlete's like approach to nutrition? Like, are they edu- educated about it, or are they? You know how how does it usually go? It's I, if you can make a generalization. Probably everybody's different, but
1: yeah, it's tough to make a generalization. It's um, you know, the last three years there's been big awareness shift, um, where a lot of these guys are are really seeing that there's an advantage to mm-hmm. to eating well. Um, yeah, and most of them. You know, most of them still will say, well, you know, I have vegetables and, and fish. Like they will talk about fish and you know a bit of chicken and you know, thinking that's healthy, but it's kind of a a process for them. And most of the guys I work with are not completely vegan. These they're right. but they're kind of transitioning right, right, right. that way. Um and, and it's it's progress. You know, they used to eat meat every day and now they eat it a few mm-hmm. times a week and you know, that's good. They're they're cutting down and, and what I think is interesting too. And I think this is actually really important is now the reason they eat meat a couple times a week is not because they think they need it, it's because they like it. So they've made that connection. They're like, well, you know, before they said, well, I have to eat it because I need protein or I need iron or whatever. But now they say I eat meat because, well, I just, I just like it. Mm-hmm. It's like with my mom, you know, she... She used to think she needed to eat cheese for calcium, and now she's at the point where she knows she doesn't, but she still eats cheese, but now at least she just says... she knows why she's doing it. (laughs) Right. She's like, okay, she just likes eating cheese, (laughs) right? Right? And so there's that that connection made that I think will eventually result in not eating cheese because you're just like, okay, well, I don't any longer need to eat this.
0: Right, right, right. So how did it go down when you worked with the Garmin cycling team? Like I know you're, we're both friends with Dave Z, but you, and you're friends with Tommy D. Like I know you know those guys and you got hooked up with them. Like did you, and you were at like a couple of other training
1: camps, right? Right. Yeah. Off, um, earlier the beginning of this year, I was at their training camp in Boulder and went and talked with each of the guys. Mm-hmm. We kind of rotated through the, these groups as they're going, um, through the training camp. And, you know some guys uh, especially some of the the younger european guys no interest yeah <laughs> it just, it's like no interest at all yeah. <laughs> um but you know that's it's totally different in europe of course and it, cycling there is so traditional and you know it's just it's not something you mess with so mm-hmm. maybe they'll come to it later in their career maybe not but a lot of the the other guys like tom danielson he um you know he he's really jumped on it like he's he's completely vegan now mm. and he's like he just He just took it and ran with it. And I went to train with him a bit in Tucson at his place there earlier this year. And I have never felt like a worse cyclist riding with him. Like it is unbelievable. We went and did Mount Lemon, which is this Uh 20 mile climb in Tucson. And he would do repeats of that. He did it three times. And it was just, it was actually, it was strange. I was riding along with him, just warming up. And then when he decided to take off, it was just gone. One of the best climbers there is. And, you know, he's another one of those guys who, you see him off the bike just wearing a t-shirt, you would think He's like- He's tiny. Yeah, like this scrawny little He's a tiny
0: little guy. Like I rode up on him on PCH. This was like two years ago or something like that. Um, you know how it's funny when you're out riding and you'll see a guy off in the distance in like a pro team kit? you know, yeah. like, and there's a lot of guys who, that wear a pro team kit, they're, they're fans or whatever. And yeah. you can, from, from literally like, they're just a speck in the distance, but you can tell like, oh, that guy's just an amateur weekend cyclist. Yeah. But when you see somebody who's really a pro, you immediately, something registers in your mind. You're like, oh, that guy, that guy probably is on the Garmin team. And yeah. I like saw, I was riding with a friend and uh, saw these two guys up ahead and the guy in a Garmin kit. And I was like, that guy, I think, is on Garmin. We rode up and it turned out to be Tommy D and he was riding with Patrick Dempsey. Mm. So we just rode with him for a little while and I was like, God, he's so, he's so little. You realize yeah. like these guys are so light, they're so tiny. And, and you know, we're going along in a fairly decent clip, but it's like he might as well have been sitting on the couch. You know, it's like nothing to these guys. Yeah,
1: so efficient. Yeah. And uh yeah, him in particular, just so good at climbing, just that strength to weight ratio. But uh yeah, you just look at, him and and that's the thing. I think yeah. a lot of people don't understand. If he was going around giving talks about veganism, people <laughs> be like, like, what are you right, like right? Just yeah, well I've never
0: heard him like. Does he has he said that publicly that he's eating this way?
1: Um, I think he said little bits here and there. Right. Um, Vaters is not crazy about that. No, right. no, he's not. And and yeah, I know he's given Tom a bit of bit of a hard time about that. About you know making sure his iron's staying. He's up big. And stuff. is huge on the iron thing, which right. we could probably talk
0: about for a minute, but. Yeah, he's yeah. that's his big concern, right?
1: Yeah, and um, you know, Tom's been Tom's been riding great. You know, he's he had a bit of an infection earlier this year mm-hmm. from a cut he had on his foot and stuff. So he's had a bit of uh bad luck, but he's training for Utah and Colorado, I believe, mm-hmm. those tours. Um but yeah, he's I think thirty five now and he said he's you know, he's riding as well as he ever has. And he's right. come eighth before in the Tour de France. So yeah, yeah. you know, he's like one of yeah, the premier guys. So it'll be interesting to see, but he's really He's he's really felt good on it, and um, mm. um, and he gets it. You know, I don't have to make up a meal plan or anything. He just he understands the concept, and he just he goes with it. So mm. it's it's good. Yeah, that's cool. So the
0: whole iron thing uh, kind of brings up this whole issue of supplementation altogether. Um, and when you when you look at kind of like the plant based movement, the whole food plant based movement, um, and I was talking about this yesterday with the guest on the podcast. It's very it's a very fractured movement, right? There are all these like camps within it and they tend to bicker with each other about yeah. what's right over these like the finer details or whatever and i personally like there are camps that say oh su- you don't need to supplement uh, supplements right. are you just eat your whole foods, you're fine personally uh you know, I believe in supplementation. I think it's important. And I think that a lot of us, you know, matter what diet we're eating, especially since our soil is becoming so increasingly depleted that, Mm -hmm. that, you know, we run deficiencies, especially when we're leading busy lives and we're overstressed and we're not getting enough sleep, all these sorts of things contribute to this. And so Mm -hmm. I think, you know, they have their place when they're treated responsibly. And so that's kind of like, where, you know, Vega comes in. Like, I don't think you would be somebody who says, you shouldn't eat food, you should just eat Vega all day long. Like, it's it's supplement. You're supposed to supplement your diet with it. So, I'm interested kind of in the philosophy behind Vega and kind of your perspective on, um, you know, the appropriate kind of responsible approach to supplementation.
1: Yeah, yeah. I used to actually take a lot of supplements when I trained full-time, you Mm -hmm. know, back 10 years ago, actually even more, 15 years ago. And... I, like I, I took a lot mm-hmm. and uh my roommate asked me one day, does that actually help? <laughs> and yeah. I didn't know. <laughs> so I'm like, huh. That's I maybe should ask myself that. Does it right. actually help? So I stopped taking supplements and nothing bad happened. You know, my blood work stayed the same, everything was fine. So I I know I, I just needed to know in my head that I if I was really meticulous about my diet, I could get everything I needed. And I I could. But I, I agree. It makes it easier. And if, you know, you're getting stress from breathing polluted air because you live in a big city or mm-hmm. you're just busy a lot, you're not sleeping a lot, high cortisol, because you're training a lot, whatever it is, I think they can help. You know, they can make things easier. But like you say, they're not um, a supplement for food. They're a supplement to food. To food, right. So, and, and the idea with Vega too, you know, I started making a blender drink for myself years ago. And... um, it's, it worked well i want to make a commercial version to make it easy for people mm-hmm. when we first brought it out i thought it would be you know a very small thing where it would just kind of be f- to help people who wanted to be plant-based athletes do it more easily right. which is you know it's a very small market so thankfully uh-huh. a lot of people um found found a need for it who who we're in a completely different category. They're just busy, health-conscious people. Mm -hmm. Most people who drink it are not vegetarian. They're not vegan. They're just health-conscious, busy people. Right, and it's marketed broadly for that. It's not like this is for a small select group
0: of people. This is for everybody. It's a healthy choice in this world of supplementation where there's a lot of garbage out there.
1: Yeah, and it just makes it easier. You know, my my goal with it is to, and just in general, is to have good, healthy food, easily accessible. Mm -hmm. And not saying you know, take away, like we said before, the bad food, but just make it equally easy to eat well as it is to eat bad is mm-hmm. basically it. Like if there's bad food around, let's also have some decent food around so people can make the choice without saying it's it's inconvenient. I just want it to be easy. Right.
0: Well, you're also being incredibly humble because, you know, this this enterprise Vega has blossomed into, you know, just an incredible uh, incredible success for you. And it's a, you know, it's a gift to the planet because it's getting people to think about food and health in a different way. And, uh, I was reflecting on it today because, you know, we met many years ago, but I, but I started my journey, um, you know, shortly after I turned 40 and I started training and I was eating plant-based and I had no idea what I was doing. And I was trying to like slowly educate myself. And if you go on Google, like you're the first guy that pops up, oh, you know, plant-based triathlon. It's like, you're the guy. So I'm reading about you and I'm like, oh, you had just, I don't know if you had just come out with Vega, but it was pretty new. Maybe it was new to the United States. I'm not sure exactly the timeline. It was probably 2007, I wanna say somewhere there, mid-2007. So
1: three years in. Yeah. So two years in the U.S. Right, okay. So pretty new,
0: yeah. but, But when you first came in, it was very difficult to find. And the only place that I could get it and all of Los Angeles was the Erewhon, like in, you know, on whatever it is, like near La Brea yeah. and like Santa Monica Boulevard or whatever that, wherever that is, Melrose or whatever. Yeah. So I would drive, you know, all the way from my house. It's like, you know, it's like, it's like an hour drive to yeah. get this stuff. $75 for the thing is the right. one place. I'm like, all right, I'm getting this. And that was my first introduction to this product. And then today on my way over to do this podcast with you. I stopped at the brand new Erwan, which happens to be right near my house that Mm. just opened recently. And I walk in and there's an entire gigantic section of Vega devoted just to Vega products. And, you know, I got my Vega bar and I was just sort of going, oh, I'm going to go talk to Brendan and look at all the Vega stuff here. And then I go to the checkout and there's Thrive magazine, like right at the checkout. And I'm like, that's amazing. You know, that is an amazing accomplishment. Like what a trajectory. And, you know, it seems like it was a long time ago, that first day that I bought that Vega, but it really wasn't that long ago. And the growth, the incredible growth of this company is just extraordinary.
1: Well, thanks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, um, it, it has been good. Um, and I think that's a testament to, to where things are headed. You know, people, mm-hmm. people want good, clean plant-based food. And, uh, and what I've always tried to do, you know, I'm not a business person. I, I have zero education and I know <laughs> nothing about business or anything, but you what hooked a, up with the right people though. Yeah. and, and what, Yeah. Charles, um, who I partnered with is great. I mean, mm. he's such a good partner and, and our, our talents are complementary. We don't have a lot of overlap, which is great. You know, it's a great partnership and, you know, I've, I've always liked the idea of, um, you using using the capitalist system to to further an agenda that that you feel is important, so I think again, coming back to education being an education company, um you know we broke the first rule of of putting together a product from day one. It was really you know find a niche and sell to it. well, you know I remember the first conversation Charles and I had he said. So what's the base for this drink? Like, what are you making? And I said, well, I have hemp protein, pea protein and rice protein. He's like, okay, well, we can't do that. No one knows about those things. He said, mm-hmm. um, and obviously we can't use whey because you don't drink that. So we got to go with soy. And I'm like, well, no, I don't want to don't use soy. Mm-hmm. He said, but that's, you know, people know about it. And of course this is back in 2003. So 11 years ago. And I said, well, I, I really feel strongly. We need to do something away from that and he said, well, you know, if, if you really want to do that, then you're going to have to make sure people understand why that is better. And I said, mm-hmm. okay. And he said, you're going to have to write a book. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I was like, all right. And, you know, I've, I think the best mark I ever got in English in high school was a C or something. And <laughs> like, okay, I'll write a book. Uh-huh. Um, so I did that self-published book. And, and the idea was to create... Create awareness for better nutrition, of course, and, and the value that it could have on people's lives. Um but it, it was gritty, of course. You know, I've I've been to every Whole Foods in the country mm-hmm. and trained every staff member and, you know, given talks to literally two people at a right, time. Right, and that's right. just the you know, the the gritty work of um, brand building. Yeah, it's like being do. in a,
0: being in like a band and being, you know, going in a van and, you know, playing at the pizza joint with yeah. in front of six people that don't want to hear you.
1: Right. You know, it's very much like, but that's that, how so. you
0: create a groundswell. That's how you create a grassroots movement. Yeah. One person at a time.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, and again, getting that, that education out there. And, um, like I say, I, I, and, and at Vega too, we, we always want to spend a certain amount of, um, of what we bring in on, on education. We just think that's really, really important. We started off mm-hmm. equal parts, you know, product and education company. And I think we've maintained that well because it's, 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 it's important, you know, both for people's health, obviously, but for social reasons, like we talked about environmental and, and, and that's kind of what it comes back to is um, just things that, that are important and uh, you know, I've never really been that, into trying to make a whole bunch of money. Um, mm. In the beginning, I was actually kind of opposed to it. I thought, well, it's, the only people I know with money are jerks, so <laughs> screw it. I don't want to make any. But then I realized, you know, money can buy a lot more than SUVs and jewelry and stuff. You can actually buy influence and you can buy change when you you put it through the right channels and you can, you know, you can create things that are of social benefit and social value. And uh, and so that's sort of, you know, what we we continue to try and do with it.
0: Yeah, I mean, on this show, I've had lots of different kinds of health practitioners, nutritionists, doctors, et cetera, athletes, of course, Um, and then I've had entrepreneurs on, but it's rare that I have somebody, you know, where the entrepreneur aspect of the life intersects with, you know some other area that is kind of on point for this show and you really you have both you're doing both like I wouldn't say you're the accidental entrepreneur I think that there's a, there's a plan you know mm-hmm. that you've been following and this has slowly grown over the years and blossoming into all these new directions you know we're going to talk about the, the magazine in a bit but you've got you know the product line you have the Thrive Forward series, you have your books, you know, how many books have you done now? Three or four? Uh, four books. Now. Four books. Yeah. So Thrive, you know, the, th- the new Thrive cookbook, that, the most recent book, um, you know, it's, it's amazing how you're kind of, it's really, you, you know, it's, it's kind of a, a media company with a product right. with a nutritional product, but you're really being, you're really penetrating and getting to people through all different varieties of, you know, print online. What they're putting in their mouth, and yeah. uh, it's it's really
1: cool to watch. Well, thanks. Yeah, and you know, I was watching um, a while ago one of those Bloomberg business profiles, and mm-hmm. you know, you start you watch a few of those, and you start to realize that there are pure entrepreneurs like Warren Buffett, for example. I watched the one on him, and you know, his whole thing was he he want he's a business person. He started off selling newspapers. Um, not because he wanted people to have the news, but it because- It doesn't matter what there, it is. There was exactly. just, it's just
0: a bit, yeah, like here's a widget.
1: Yeah, I can find a way, this is profitable, I'm going to make money, and that's great. I mean, obviously he's phenomenal at that, but then, and there, there's a bunch in that category, and then there's a bunch in the other category, like, um, you know, like Bill Gates, who just came up with um, this, he, he developed this cool code and stuff, and software and thought mm-hmm. it was interesting and, and had no intention of trying to make money from it. That wasn't his thing. He just thought it was interesting. And, and then folks like Elon Musk, who, well, Elon
0: Musk is the best example.
1: Yeah. He's, you know, he's like, okay, well we have, we need energy right? and we're getting too much from Middle Eastern oil and even domestic oil creates all kinds of problems. So let's try and reduce our, our dependence on oil and let's, um, you know, let's create these electric cars and let's, uh, get, the electricity from solar and a lot of people don't know that but he he also has a solar company.
0: Right. I mean, he's um, almost like kind of done with Tesla. He's ready to move on to bigger problems like, you know, right. wind turbines and all that kind of stuff including space of course, but Exactly.
1: solving our energy crisis, you know, beyond the automobile. Right. And that to me is just so appealing to me, you know, he doesn't sit back and hope the government saves us. He's like, "Okay, I'm going to use capitalism and solve some serious problems here." And, and he that to up his just, patents, he's right,
0: like' cause he knows he can just he's not threatened by saying, "Here are all our patents for these batteries, the world needs this, and right. I'm not threatened by that because I'll out innovate anybody anyway, yeah <laughs> you know no, and i, mean, I, I so, love that, and it's just you know, and it's
1: so he's obviously doing it for 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 many reasons, but um you know he he, he financially benefits too which is great because he can do more of that which benefits us all so Mm -hmm. I like that system a lot and that's something we've done at Vega too you know we don't have any of that proprietary blend stuff and whenever I would read that I would see proprietary blend that to me just means that this company cares more about making money than they do about the person Mm -hmm. um, being able to to make this we want people to make it. like I've given away the recipe so that people can make it And, and you realize too like someone will make smoothie with all the ingredients and they realize it's more expensive anyways, because you have to pay markup on every ingredient, whereas we right. get a large get it, volume drug a from the farmer. Yeah. so Plus it's a pain in the ass. Well, and that's yeah. the thing is people, people realize that, but I want them to know that they can do it, that they, mm-hmm. do, they don't have to be dependent on Vega or- you Well, know, it goes back to
0: transparency also, which right. is what we were talking about at the beginning.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's just like, let's, yeah, you don't want people to feel as though they have to buy a certain thing to to benefit. Mm -hmm. Right. So, uh,
0: so the magazine, this is the newest venture in Brendan Brazier Enterprises. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So where did the idea from this come from? I mean, what made you interested in trying to get involved in starting a magazine?
1: Well, I, I've gotten to meet a lot of really interesting people over the last 10 years or so and people who, have just done really inspirational things, just amazing, big things. And, um, I, I wanted to create a platform for them to share their insight and, um, to interview them and, and find out how they got really good at what they do. And also for them to have a platform to write articles and, and tell people, um, how, how they've been able to do it and, and the efficiencies they've found mm-hmm. and, and how to get better. It's the whole magazine is about improvement. It's about, um, it's just it's about performance and not just athletic performance, but whatever kind of performance technology, entrepreneurship, green mm. tech. Um, you know, there's a lot of sport, of course, there's a lot of fitness and nutrition, but it's just about improvement. And one thing Sounds too, like
0: the, it's the print version of my podcast. Yeah. That's that's actually that's a good <laughs> yeah. way
1: to put it. And it's uh. it's kind of um, and the thing too, that differentiates it is that most magazines, of course, are about a subject like car and driver it 's about cars mm-hmm. and architecture magazines and food magazines, and they 're about a subject, whereas this magazine is not about a subject it 's for a type of person it 's for the type of person who wants to get better mm-hmm. and that's that 's what I wanted to do is just you know help people get to where they 're trying to go quicker learning from other people.
0: I like that. And I think it also speaks to something that I've been putting a lot of thought into lately, which is, you know, this idea of, you know, growing beyond the plate. You know, I think it would Mm -hmm. be very easy for you or for me to just get stuck and be like the plant-based nutrition athlete guy and just go around and talk about, protein and micronutrients you know for the rest of your life but i don't know about you but like that gets kind of boring and and you're stunting your growth if that's where you're staying and like for me i cleaned up my diet and got healthy so that i would have more energy to go do things with my life and continue to grow and expand and improve in other areas and so for me the plate is is the first step. It's a huge first step. It's really important. And it's important that we talk about it and figure it out and have as much dialogue about it as possible. But I'm interested in what's next. You know, I want to grow spiritually. I want to grow mentally, emotionally. I want my relationships to be better. I want to be strong and fit. I want to enjoy my children. I want to be, you know, sort of, uh, you know, I want to thrive in the modern world to use your Terms, you know, as yeah. a as somebody who can provide for my kids and and beyond, and so it becomes less about you know what kind of kale are you eating and like you know what's the latest you know watch in heart rate monitor that you're yeah. using you know and and more about you know more important bigger bigger issues.
1: Well, that's absolutely the way I see it too, and I think people who have been at this for a while kind of go that route. And and I know we've both had conversations with people mm-hmm. who are new to this, and you know they they do want to talk about what kind of kale is best, and, right? And that's and, good.
0: I you know, like when I put on Twitter, I said, you know, I'm having Brendan on the podcast. What do you want to know? And there was right. a lot of really interesting. Questions, which we're not going to get to. (laughs) But I mean, there were like, I don't know, last I checked, 75 comments on the Facebook page, and a lot of them were about like how to train for a triathlon. And, you know, it's just like, I could talk to you about that, but I don't think that that's the best use of the time that we're going to spend together because I think that you have more important things to talk about. And if somebody wants to learn how to train for a triathlon, there's plenty of resources online.
1: Yeah. And that's what I figure. I mean, I definitely see it that way. I kind of see, this is the base you eat well, and all the extra energy you get and all the mental clarity what are you gonna do with that? Mm-hmm. you know like that's that's the next step and that's what's interesting is because now all these opportunities open up because you have this like nutrition capital or whatever you want to call mm-hmm. it you know all this this uh this gain from from eating well now you can go off and look for cool projects to do and you know try and actually make a difference and and do things that are of, of benefit to, to a lot of people.
0: Right. So what's exciting you right now, other than the magazine, which I'm sure is taking up a lot of your time, but.
1: Yeah, the magazine has taken up a lot, um, and we'll probably continue to, but, um. Where
0: um, are you, uh, I know, I know you partnered with Miranda from origin magazine, yeah. but where is the, like, do you have an office here or what's the, what, how does it work functionally?
1: No, it's run really lean. Yeah. Um, yeah, we have a great designer. We have, um, we have a good, great copy editor, um, are they in Austin
0: or are they where Miranda is or how does it like where are the actual are they just spread out? Like they're just spread out. I yeah, see. actually. Uh-huh.
1: Um Melody, the uh the graphic de- designer is in Dallas. Um Karen, who is the uh the copy editor, I believe, is is in somewhere not too far from here, somewhere in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's about it. We're not too sure where, but We're somewhere, not, around so, here. somewhere around here. <laughs> <laughs> right. But that's the beauty, the beauty of, this. of the modern world. yeah. Exactly. You know, but you, you can, could
0: have a magazine that's in all these stores and go. Yeah, there's only a couple people that are actually putting this together.
1: Yeah, and people often say, well, will have someone on your team contact me." You're just like, "Well, this, this is kind of it." <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. This right. is it's kind of so that you know that was appealing to me too because, and I know you've you've done this too, but going into those big magazines, like you go and visit the folks that. I know, Rolling Stone or whatever, mm-hmm. and it's like this huge building to put yeah. out this magazine, and that's that's great. But it's I think that model, yeah, yeah exactly, paradigm. it's bloated. It's a bloated system. It's old fashioned, and I think you can really lean things up. And here we are in Whole Foods, with equal facing to these huge magazines like mm-hmm. Rolling Stone or Esquire or you know, Men's Health or whatever it is. So it can be done. And it can be done really lean. And that was kind of an exercise for myself too, just to see, you know, what can be done. Um, again coming back to efficiency what can you get the biggest return from with the least amount of of expenditure so just finding right. these um these efficient systems to to work within
0: right it's cool i mean on the sort of tip of you know old paradigms and and and, you know, magazines, what is your perspective on publishing as somebody who's written four books with traditional publishers? I mean, what has that experience been like? Just on a personal level, I'm interested in that because of my own experience.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's all in all, it's been good. It's um, I've made a few mistakes. Um, I'm, My book was originally published in Canada by Penguin in Canada. Mm-hmm. And then the U.S. publisher DeCapo got the U.S. rights. And they had a completely different view on how to market the book. So I have, it looks like I've written way more books than I have because the publishers decide on different, of it. yeah, they decide uh-huh. on different covers, different subtitles. And then people will think that the other, the Canadian version is a completely different book, understandably, because it looks completely different. And so that's that's not been good. I would like a consistent package so that it's, you know, it keeps the brand stronger. And, and I feel that it, that's kind of not been something that's been done so well. And mm. I look at the Canadian version and, the word vegan is not in it and it's sold to the mainstream and it's sold as many copies in Canada as in the U S which doesn't make sense because there's 10 times the population Mm -hmm. in the U S the U S publisher wants to tie vegan into it really wants it to be a vegan thing. So even, you know, my fitness book I wrote, um they even worked vegan into the subtitle, called the vegan training guide. Oh like, really? What, but
0: it's your book. Couldn't you put your foot down and say, No, I don't I don't want that word in here or didn't you have the final say
1: on that? Or Yeah, I mean that's I that's the thing with traditional publishing. You know, you kind of uh, maybe I should have read the contract more closely, yeah. but I think it's it's pretty much up to them at that point mm-hmm. and and so they're really going after the vegan market, which to be honest. I'm not as interested in because they find out about it. They'll know anyway, yeah, they'll find it. Right, and the change is going to come from not the vegans, it's going to come from everyone else, Mm -hmm. you know, and they're the ones who I want to try and help are the non-vegans. Uh, Right.
0: I mean, that's, that's like, I had a very long conversation with John Joseph about this where, you know, in, in a different vernacular, he's like, you know, I have no interest in talking to vegans. They, they, I don't need to talk to them. I'm trying to talk to the, the, the Mets fans, you know, I need to talk to those guys. And if you are not careful in your word choice, you're going to flip these guys off, turn this, turn the switch on them and they're not going to be able to hear anything that you're saying. So language becomes really important
1: yeah I absolutely agree, and I think we've we've seen that or I've seen that um, with my books, like I say, equal sales in Canada and the us which makes no sense mm-hmm. with ten times the population in the us. So I think the Canadian package there, how it was marketed more to a mainstream group was was the right way to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that you know it's it's always a challenge with publishers. you know, I see publishers more as printers. they print your book and they allow people to buy it, but they don't really sell it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, they really leave that up to That's the to big. Us.
0: That's the big secret that you don't learn until you've actually written a book, right? Because you and you know, I didn't learn it until I was well into the process. Where you think like, well, they own this book, they bought it. I have this contract, they own and right. control it, so they have a vested interest in marketing it and selling it. Yeah. And so you think ignorantly, naively that they're going to you know do all this stuff to get it out there, and then yeah. you realize it's it's pretty much on you, right. you know. And and you know. They're good people. I had a good experience with my publisher, but they have a lot of books, you know, yeah. and they're you know, they're they're cutting budgets and cutting staff and these people are overworked and you know probably underpaid a lot of them and so they just they're never going to give it the attention that you're going to give it as right. your book and it just becomes your job to get it out there.
1: Yeah, and it's interesting too like the the publisher, my US publisher, they have a marketing department. They don't have a marketing budget, Mm -hmm. which is funny because, uh, you know, the definition of the word marketing is a paid use of media. The first word is paid (laughs) and they don't have a budget. So, I don't know how that's supposed to work. But, yeah, it's just kind of, you know, left up to us to do, but... The good news about your books are that they don't,
0: there's no shelf life on them. You know, it's sort of like they're always, you know, they're there for anybody who kind of reaches that point in their journey and wants to have that primer on how to, you know, take the first step and get going. And it's always available and it's never going to go, it's never going to be dated,
1: you know. Yeah. And, you know, I have found that my books have never had a big spike like when I've launched. They probably sell consistently always. Very consistent. Yeah, Yeah. like my first book, Thrive, I think, you know, I looked a little while ago. It sold as well last year as it did the year it came out. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, I think think that's true that it's just kind of one of those consistent sellers. Um, You know, self-publishing, you probably do if you have a decent social media reach, make more money. But my goal with the book was to get it to as many people as possible, which you still probably do um better through a traditional publishing yeah, You they get it to more people. Yeah, you can't, you know, get
0: it in all these stores on your own. Right. You know, no matter what your sort of profile is online. Like they're they they have the trucks, you yeah. know what I mean? And the trucks take the books to the bookstores and you're never going to be able to do that yourself. Right. Financially, yeah, you probably make more money doing it on your own with your profile.
1: Yeah. That's I mean, that's, you know, I've I've seen people go that route and do really mm-hmm. well with it and just even ebooks. Right, um, But still, I, I looked a, a little while ago and I don't know how it is with your book, but mine, I think it's 80, over 80% of sales are still the actual physical book as opposed mm. to downloads. Mm-hmm. And that was a little surprising to me. I figured more people would download, but I think, um, you know, people still like holding onto that book. And- they do. And yours
0: is the kind of book that gets passed around and it's kind of the one you want because it has, it's so, you know, information rich. It's not like a something you read on an airplane it's something right. that you kind of want in your kitchen or what have you right. there's that tactile aspect to it i mean my book was pretty much 50 50 hmm. so it's interesting yeah mm.
1: and i think with magazines too i know magazine sales of physical magazines are going back up and i think one of the reasons is people sit in front of a screen a lot of them th- throughout the whole day when they get home they want to read right something that's not on a screen right So I I think, um, you know, that kind of opens the door for a nice high quality, whether it's a book or a magazine, again, to to come along and kind of what's happening in the music industry too. People can obviously download music a lot more easily than getting something physical, but there's still something about that physical element to holding something.
0: Oh, my kids are super into vinyl. Like they want to go to the old record stores and like spend hours, you know, plowing through the vinyl and finding some gem of a record. It's that yearning for something tactile, you know, like... They love it.
1: Yeah, even Whole Foods now, I think, sells records. Do they? Yeah, I was no, at the El Segundo one just a few days ago and they huh. had some uh, some vinyl there. <laughs> That's crazy.
0: Yeah. I wouldn't have thought that. So cool. So the magazine is blowing up and are you working on a new book or like where's the, where's the kind of... Ne- I know you're doing some video stuff with Matthew Kenny, right? The plant-based chef in Santa Monica.
1: Yeah, so Matthew and I have been friends for a while. So we're doing um, a video course... That will be out um in the fall. So people can can just sign up and and actually like get certified in, mm-hmm. in a course. And it, there's two. There's sports nutrition and elite sports nutrition. So we're doing that. We're actually um Matthew's gonna be opening a restaurant um on Abbott Kinney. Oh wow. Um kind of a, a just a really nice, it's not all raw, it's um a mixture of Of some cooked, it's all plant based, of course, Um, and I'm investing a bit in that and a few other folks. So it'll be this really nice space there. When is that? Is that right on Abbot Kinney? It is, yeah, right on Abbot Kinney. um, September supposed to open. Oh, that's that's cool. That's kind of been a fun project. It's really his project, but I'm I'm a little bit involved with. You know a few aspects of it and investing a bit. So uh huh. That's cool. Fun.
0: So, for people that are listening, he's a he's a very high end sort of gourmet, raw chef who's got an amazing restaurant called Make in Santa Monica, which you should go right. check out if you're in town. Um, yeah. And he's got like a pretty cool, he does a lot of stuff online, right? Like he does cooking stuff online, yeah. He educational does, stuff,
1: yeah. A lot of online, um, and also his academy too at Make, right? The account, right? Right. That's some um, people come from all over the place to take that. So, mm-hmm. you learn how to to make good food. Mm-hmm. And are you going to write another book? One day. <laughs> One day, I, yeah. You know, I actually um, was writing, I thought that I was burned out from writing, but I found out I was burned out from writing about nutrition, <laughs> kind of like back to our, what we were saying before. I just uh-huh. like can't write about the nutrients in buckwheat anymore. <laughs> right. It's kind of just, I just can't do it. So um, I started writing about some of the things I've learned over the last 10 years with Vega, just brand building essentially mm-hmm. and and what I've learned in that whole process. So I'm writing, um, I'm writing a business book right now about how to, or maybe not how to, but how I, I built um, Mm -hmm. Vega with, with the, uh, with the other folks involved there. And, and just what, what I learned and just a few principles, very similar approach to the one I took with nutrition, you know, after 10 years of, of doing it, what I found worked and just coming up with a set of, concepts that that i followed and that are transferable and um so i'm writing the outline to that now but well, that's it's, pretty cool
0: i mean what are some of the kind of core
1: ideas of that well one is it's it's going to be about um transparency is a big one too mm-hmm. not that traditional way of business of protected formula and that kind of thing but being very open and Having a social element to it as well, like creating something that is that kind of adds to to the tapestry of what's already out there as opposed to trying to find a niche in in the market
0: and, and creating community. I mean, from the very beginning, like you I remember when Vega launched like their sort of forums and you know, you were very like the company was incredibly proactive about um getting ambassadors and and mm-hmm. you know trying to really create allegiance and loyalty and, and kind of excitement about the brand by um, having people interact with each other, you know, all the plant-based athletes out there.
1: Yeah. So creating community for sure and creating a sense of, um, of belongingness too. You know, I um, I haven't written it yet, but I'll probably write in there something about uh, the, the big impact that Nike ads had on me back in, mm-hmm. in the, I guess, the mid-90s, that whole Just Do It campaign. You know, it was as though, because then I was a kid in high school and, you know, you got the teachers telling you that if you don't do well, your life is going to end and all that (laughs) stuff. Like you got to go to, uh, you know, got to get good marks and go to college and all that. So when the Nike ads came out in that that campaign, it was just, I felt like there was a group that understood me. Like, and it was just smart marketing, but I still felt that like, you know, all the the stuff around running, um, just the some of the good taglines they had, it felt as though I belonged to something and that mm-hmm. they they got me, they understood me um, and I was part of it. And it was just such a well done uh, marketing campaign. Um, and with Apple too, you know, what they did the whole mm-hmm. thing away from convention and just really, you know, not being an individual for the sake of it, but for a reason, you know, this is not like anti-establishment just for fun. It's just finding a better way to do things that may not be, socially acceptable or normal, um, mm-hmm. within the group that you're part of. But again, that belonging to, to, to a group that understands you. Um, so I think that's important too, and creating that and creating space for, for people to feel understood and valued and, uh, and getting, you know, having them add to the, the tapestry because mm-hmm. um, everyone has something to add, you know. I've never met anyone who hasn't had a good idea. It's just implementing those ideas that becomes the challenge. You know, I'm sure. Right? Yeah, you know, I've heard so many people say, "Oh, I could have invented Velcro." It's like, well, yeah, you probably yeah, you could have, but you didn't. <laughs> yeah,
0: you didn't. You know, and uh, that's funny. I had uh, uh, I interviewed a guy for the podcast. This guy, Casey Neistat, he's a YouTube filmmaker, and he said something interesting. He said. I hate it, you know, I I don't give a shit about ideas. Everybody has an idea, whether yeah. it's their idea for a movie or an invention or anything like that. It's like, it means nothing. He's right. like, it's all about implementation. Yeah, you totally. know? So when you look at, you know, you look at the supplement business, I mean, is there a more a more crowded, you know, sort of space? It's like, there's a million of these companies out there and, uh, you know, some of them just chug along in relative anonymity. I would imagine most go out of business. Yeah. Um, and then to see, you know, kind of Vega rise above and then just sort of slowly take over, you know, gigantic shelf space in, in, in Whole Foods over time, you know, there's something else going on other than just a good product. Like there's a core, um, you know, idea, like sort of a foundation foundational sort of, um, you know, uh, culture i would imagine at mm-hmm. this company that's allowing it to you know again to use your word thrive where others you know are just sort of struggling
1: yeah well a brand is really just a set of values it's like what do you what do you value what's important to you what do you believe in and if your values are aligned with other people's you know it's it's common ground and you want to you want to mm-hmm. associate with that and i think you know because it's very genuine this these are the things we believe and there are a lot of other people out there who believe those things as well and have those same values so it's um yeah a community's grown from it which uh, you know is very very pleasing to see so it's it's hard to do to finding a lot of like-minded right. ambitious people who uh, who want to come together and uh, and share share in something right i mean how many people do you have working there now in the head office there's about 115 120 yeah, and wow. then out in the field there's about the same mhm yeah, it's a, it's not like it's not like super huge though,
0: you know. I would have thought like oh, you got like a thousand people, right. or,
1: you know what I mean? No, we still keep it we try and keep it as lean as possible and just run right. it. You know, I mean it's easy to to let things get bloated and hire a person right for, of course. for things that that you really don't need them for. Right.
0: Well, uh, you've been traveling a lot and uh, one of the reasons it took us, you know, like a year to figure this out is like I've been out of town and then I come back in town and then you're out of town. So it took us a long time to hook up. Um, but but I want to hear a little bit about um, your, I know you were in D.C. not that long ago and you were speaking on the Hill, right?
1: Yeah. What I've done, that all about? Like over the last few years, I've done little bits and pieces in, in D.C. in it, it. It's always something that's interested me um just how government works and and getting involved at some level there. And, and I'd be I've become good friends with Tulsi Gabbard, who's a congresswoman from Hawaii, mm-hmm. who's um, you know, a really great person and uh very ambitious politically as well. And so we, we got together a few times in DC and just just talked about trying to do some things. And um earlier this year we met up with Sam Cass at, at the White House. He's mm-hmm. the Obama chef and he's um, he's the president of Let's Move campaign, so right. he works for Michelle Obama, and he was actually, I guess, the the leading force on getting the the garden put in right um, the whole at the White House thing. And, uh-huh. and all that. So really interesting guy, very progressive, and we had a good conversation about trying to do something um, that involves food and nutrition and fitness and all all these things, basically to. You know, I mean, it seems so basic to, to everyone, but actually getting it implemented, I think would be hard and trying to get it so that the system is proactive. And right now, it's, of course, very reactive. You don't go to a doctor if you're healthy, you go when something's mm-hmm. gone wrong. And so trying to set up a system where uh, people are just less likely to get sick and be less likely to to Need government assistance mm-hmm. and uh, this reactive now you're medical stuff. Talking system. crazy talk, you know, <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, it, it feels like it sometimes with yeah. some of the, the looks you get. But. I
0: mean, do you think that like I'm so G? I mean, I grew up in Washington, like, mm-hmm. I grew up around politics, and like living out here, I'm so less uh, informed and attuned than I was like in high school, just being around it. Like, yeah. I grew up, Susan, you know, Susanna Quinn, right? Yeah, like, yeah. that was my sister's best friend growing up, you know, okay. like, so, <laughs> but uh. You know I'm jaded because I'm like ah, nothing will come of that. Like it's just impossible mm. to get anything to change.
1: Yeah, and I can see how that that can be. Mm-hmm. And you know, after a few meetings, and you just realize what best intentions these people have, but just getting stuff done there, and just mm-hmm. how everything, of course, is political. And you know, if they like, even that whole "Let's Move" campaign, they're saying you know they're they get so much heat from opposition about you know saying that they're trying to tell people what to eat and what to do, whereas, right. of course, they're not. They're just providing options. I mean, it's just, you know, how can another option be a bad thing? But of course, it's twisted. But that's just a K Street
0: way. lobbying group, you know, on behalf of the meat and dairy industry or whatever processed food company, right. you know, right. who stands to lose from that getting traction. So they push back and they couch it as something other than what it actually yeah. is. Yeah. And, and then I, nothing changes, right? Right.
1: And, and I think, I mean, that's kind of my my little bit of experience over the last year in there. And and I can definitely see, um, that's, I think that's the route things would go. I mean, you know, my ultimate goal eventually would be to, and, and again, I don't know that this would happen, but I think that taking, you know, taking the power and having, um, people be able to, to do things just by governments taking a step back. And for example, like government saying, you know, any company that creates a product or service that have, is of social benefit, um, we will collect less tax, like tax breaks for mm-hmm. these companies who are doing things that are socially beneficial. Social
0: so, entrepreneurs.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, you know, John Mackey wrote that great book, Conscious Capitalism, mm-hmm. and 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 kind of getting getting back to, to not relying. I mean, definitely you don't want to rely on the government. You want to, you know, innovation is going to come from the private sector. It always has, and it's, it's always going to. And I think if the government steps out of the way and lets innovation happen... And just you know, people who are chasing money and don't really care about social issues could actually be part of the solution if mm-hmm. government gives some just steps out of the way and allows allows people to make more money by by lowering taxes. Um, and food is a good example. So any company that makes you know a food product or or an education company or whatever that is of like I say social benefit, right? That is solving a. A direct problem is going to make people less likely to be dependent on, on a government-funded healthcare system. Um, that's even more so in Canada where it's even more socialized. But
0: Yeah, the solution lies in, uh, in uh, making it profitable to do good, you know, right. ultimately, within the construct of the system under which we all operate. Right. And yeah. if the government can help, you know, sort of spur that along by creating additional incentives for that, that's truly how you create change, I think.
1: Yeah, I agree. And and I think, yeah, government saying, hey, look, you guys, you know, Americans, you're going to come up with the innovation, you're going to be able to solve problems and let the free market and capitalism mm-hmm. solve those problems. And as government say, okay, you guys go to it, you know, tax reduction. Um, and then, of course, a whole, a whole industry is going to pop up that is, one, creating um, value for all of us. And, mm-hmm. and, and I agree. I think that's that's the way, you know, things, things could really change. Right. So when you look at kind of
0: technological innovation, food innovation, uh, this plant-based movement, all these things that are kind of happening right now, Um, it really does, I mean, to me, it does feel like there is a groundswell that's picking up steam and people are interested and excited. You know, I don't know that Thrive Magazine would have been possible five years ago, you know, Mm. but the fact that, you know, it has a massive circulation and people are picking it up. I mean, that says something, right? So are you, does this lead you to be optimistic about the future or where, you know, where do you see all of this going?
1: I'm definitely optimistic. Um... I, I kind of have to be. <laughs> You're too invested not to be, <laughs> right? <laughs> I don't know yeah. if I if if I wasn't, I don't know if I could get out of bed oh, in the morning. So terrible. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, so what optimism is do? a good thing. It's kind of the thing that, that keeps me going, and I'm sure it's true with you too. I mean, you got to be mm-hmm. optimistic. If you think your work is is of no value, not doing anything, you know, it's it's not really a good feeling. So uh, you kind of gotta be but i am too I, I do think that like you said there is that groundswell and the last 3 years has been been amazing mm-hmm. you know i do think that tipping point is uh is getting closer more quickly and uh and it's a good time you know it's uh there's a lot of progress happening
0: Cool, man so uh where are you headed next are you traveling soon
1: yeah i go um See on, on Sunday, you go to Boulder just for a couple of days, doing a couple of things there. Mm-hmm. Um, oh wait, I know what I wanted to ask you about. I just saw your tweet about uh, doing this
0: um, cooking class with the thirty seconds f- from Mars dude on yeah. for, on Vert. Like, tell me about what's going on with that. Yeah, so Tomo, yeah Tomo Milosevic, um, um, <laughs>
1: yeah my my new buddy. I actually, have, we have a really good mutual friend in common. Um, so he introduced us. But uh yeah, so Tomo, we actually had a Skype call this the other day. He's in Russia and uh and he has this this cooking show on Vert, which is a platform that Jared Leto, who's also in the band Thirty Seconds mm-hmm. to Mars, created and apparently he's doing really well. It's very popular, uh gets Vert, a lot of views.
0: Vert is like their sort of own social media platform that they built right like and now it's sort of available to artists and other kind of creative professionals to create communities there but right. is that right like i'm not right. super familiar with Vert, but i know it started with that band
1: right so like 30 seconds to mars will play a concert in Jarrett's living room and mm-hmm. have a camera They'll broadcast there it yeah. and broadcast it and you can sign up and watch it for i don't know how like a concert ticket basically right. you buy a ticket and you can watch this this concert um, so but it's kind of cool. It's Talk just about this, creating just a movement.
0: I mean, those guys have created like an incredible community around their band and what they're doing. Like, it's pretty amazing.
1: Really smart. I mean, they're just, you know, and they're using technology um, obviously mm-hmm. for, for a really good purpose and and to create change and to, to get eyeballs on them and, and right. they have that, that platform. And um, so, yeah, so Tomo has recently become vegan, mm-hmm. uh, which is cool. And I, I believe Jared is too. I think um, he goes in and out of it. I'm not sure. Who knows? Okay.
0: But I mean, who, you know, who really knows? Right. I wish you know him. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like people speculate online, but you know, yeah. that's just gossip.
1: Yeah. And and again, you know, it doesn't even really matter. I guess the point is, is they're trying to get the message out there mm-hmm. that, you know, if you eat more plant-based, it's going to help you mm-hmm. um, perform better and feel better. And so Toma, I was talking to him the other day and he said his sciences have cleared up when he stopped eating dairy, which of course, you know, really common. He just feels better. He has more energy. He's... Mm-hmm you know, not needing to drink coffee as much anymore. Right. So all these things that, you know, we've, we've heard a lot before, but he's really excited about it. So he's done uh taco cooking shows before because mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't know this, but he was, I guess he was trained as a chef. Oh, wow. Um, and then he became um, a musician, but right. he's kind of going back to his roots there. So yeah, it's August 31st. I'm on cooking with Tomo. Right. And it's like a live thing, right? Like right. it's just, you can watch it live. Yeah. So you buy a ticket. I'm, I'm not totally sure how it works, but you buy a ch- ticket to watch it live or you can, uh, I guess get the download later as well, which uh-huh. also costs something. I'm not sure. Right. Kind of like how creative live does it. Right.
0: Yeah. That's cool, man. And then you're going, I you're going to Boulder. What else are
1: you doing? Yeah. And then, um, then I, I speak at CanFit Pro, which is a fitness conference in Toronto, mm-hmm. uh, in early August. And then actually I go to to Whistler and Vancouver for the Vega AGM. Mm-hmm. It's uh basically a week long. Um I may be speaking at a tech conference in Whistler too. There's this uh tech mm-hmm. company in Vancouver I've been doing some work with. Um, but we'll we'll see about that.
0: Cool, man. Dude, how what's a typical day in the life
1: like? <laughs>
0: You're spread pretty thin. Yeah, it's not really
1: it's not Every really typical any, Yeah, there's anymore. no there's
0: no typical day.
1: Yeah, I get a run-in or a bike ride-in when I'm at home each day. It seems day. like you do a lot of those at, in the evening, right? Like you're not like a morning guy with your running and your riding. Well, I, I am more so with running. I usually ride in the evening. Mm-hmm. I like riding later, and I like I don't like to run as much after cycling because, of course, you're, mm-hmm. you know, you're more worn out. So I'd rather run in the morning and then mm-hmm. cycle in the evening. And the evenings here in the Santa Monica Mountains are just so amazing, right so around nice. sunset, and I yeah. have a really good light now. So if I'm out after sunset, it's, it's okay. Mm I can still find my way back. Okay. And, um, so yeah. And, and, and again, you know, some boxing stuff, some P90X, Tony Horton, Mm -hmm. you know, he, um, he lives in Santa Monica. I've started, well, actually it's been two years now. I've been going over to his house. Um, he has a a workout group over a couple of times a week Mm -hmm. when he's in town. So he's been great. You know, he's, he's such a good, good guy. And he's so, uh, so Patient with uncoordinated people, right. <laughs> that's cool. Um, all right, man.
0: Well, I think we did it. Yeah, how do you feel?
1: Pretty good. I think we did it all right, right? Yeah, I think we got a lot in.
0: All right, cool. Maybe not answered all those questions out on the internet, but hey, I think we we did we gave you something better, yeah, right? It's, so yeah. cool. Um, thank you so much. Yeah, for thanks, Rich. Yeah, that was awesome. Long. Um, if you want to connect with Brendan, uh, online. The best place to do that is he's on Twitter at at Brendan Brazier. You got a Facebook page. Yeah, so Twitter. What are all the places?
1: Yeah, Twitter is Brendan underscore Brazier. underscore Brazier, Brazier, right. And Instagram is just Brendan Brazier. And Twitter, or no, Facebook is also just Brendan Brazier. And also Mm -hmm. Thrive Forward is a web series. You can check that out. Tons of videos there that you can sign up for.
0: If you're new to this whole plant-based thing, Brendan walks you through everything you need to know to dial up your diet and get super fit and all that good stuff. Right. That's it. And, uh, pick up your Vega stuff at your local whole foods. Yeah. Right. That's right. <laughs> all right, man. <laughs> cool. Well, thanks so much for doing it. This and, uh, yeah, it took us a while to get it done, but we did it. And I appreciate everything that you do, man. You're a service to the planet and you're an inspiration. And I hope that you just keep doing what you're doing.
1: Thanks. You too, Rich. Yeah. And congrats on the the podcast. I know, mm lots of people who love it and uh it's great it's uh, it's getting out there
0: cool and uh even though you know we live down the street from each other maybe we should try to go out on a bike ride one of these days we've yeah, only be been good. talking about it for like two years and we run into each other from time to time on the bike
1: <laughs> we can't seem to get our stuff straight yeah our schedules are all over the place but I yeah know. we should definitely do that all right we'll make it happen all right peace plants
0: All right, you guys, that's the show. I hope you dug it. I hope you dug Brendan. He's a good guy, right? I think that uh, we got to hear a lot uh, about Brendan and his life that maybe we haven't heard in other interviews. So I'm pretty excited uh, that he was willing to open up and uh, give of himself today. So I hope you dug it. If you want to stay current with all things plant powered make sure you subscribe to my newsletter at richroll.com it's the only way to get exclusive content and deals and sales and discounts on products we've got some new specials coming up soon and some new products so i'm not going to be tweeting and facebooking those things so if you want to know or be in the know stay current with everything subscribe to the newsletter Download the app, of course, uh, if you are inspired by Brendan and want to learn more about how to get plant-based, you can check out my ultimate guide to plant-based nutrition at mindbodygreen.com, three plus hours of streaming video content broken down into little bite-sized pieces organized by subject matter. There's an online community, there's tons of very helpful downloadable tools to get you started no matter where you are on your diet Journey, And if you're feeling stuck in your life, you want to uh, access a better, more authentic version of yourself, but you don't know where to start, you can check out my other course at mindbodygreen.com, The Art of Living with Purpose. It's all about uh, developing a better relationship with yourself, trying to figure out what's motivating you. And then it gets into how to set, properly set a goal and how to establish a proper trajectory and plan to achieve that goal. So... Check that out. Uh, What else? We got, of course, some cool products at richroll.com. Got awesome t-shirts. Our Run RRP shirts are cool. We got signed copies of my book, Finding Ultra, uh, which if you haven't read, you can check that out. We got some excellent uh, nutritional supplement products, a vitamin B12 product, my repair product, which is a post-workout recovery supplement. That also tastes delicious. We got Ion, which is our electrolyte tablets, all good kinds of things for you to fuel your workouts and get you as healthy as possible. If you want to support the show, the best way to do that is to tell a friend. Always is, always will be. Uh, Also, please bookmark, save, and use the Amazon banner ad at richroll.com. For all your amazon purchases it's back to school right now you're gonna have to buy a bunch of stuff i'm sure a lot of people out there are using amazon to do that well if you use the amazon banner ad at richroll.com amazon kicks us some free commission change it does not cost you one cent extra on your purchase and it's just a great simple easy way to show uh your support for what we're trying to do here so thanks so much for you guys using that uh Again, keep sharing your pictures on Instagram of where, how you're enjoying the show. I love that stuff. I love uh, commenting and and uh, reading uh, and seeing all the different places all over the world where people are listening and how they're listening to it. So I dig it. Thanks. Uh, all right, you guys, that's it. Everybody, I don't have to tell you what uh, the assignment is for next week. I think it's pretty obvious. Get more plants in your diet, you know, between Brendan and I. Uh The message was pretty consistent and pretty clear. So even if you're not on a plant-based diet, uh, whatever sort of dietary uh, regime, regimen you subscribe to, I think it's safe to say that uh, we can all be healthier by upping the amount of fresh vegetables and fruits and legumes and seeds that we get in our diet. So focus on that. Good, clean, organic energy, you guys. And that's it. That's it. Thanks for stopping by. Thanks for taking the journey with me. And I'll see you guys next week. Peace. Plants.